0: It's stunning.
1: It's kinda of surreal. Surreal. Kind of insane.
2: Three hundred episodes with no end in
3: sight.
1: All right and there we go. And we're uh we're running, we're rolling with podcast episode three hundred. 300, 300. Uh, yeah. So what our this listeners won't realize is that prior to us lighting the candle on this very prosperous rocket, um, we fucked around for about 30 minutes because we are so out of shape doing Zoom calls. So there was a period of time at the beginning of the coronavirus when our numbers were much, much lower, when we were really good at doing Zoom calls. I mean, we'd fucking figured that shit out. And everybody was where they were supposed to be and their microphones worked and we had really big sexy backgrounds. And now it is like we have never COVIDed no, before. Mrs. Smith's fault. Would you say
4: all that again? I couldn't hear you. I'm just saying. Exactly. Right. <laughs> hey. Hey, can you
2: I'd say yeah. Ohio is expert COVID oh, the COVID now.
1: Yeah. All right. I'm, everything that was supposed to happen today, all the things, all of the signs were pointing towards us being at purple level for people who are keeping score. Um, However, strangely enough, despite our numbers going up, we did not achieve purple status. So the funny thing is that they're saying, well, uh, the brag today was, well, that means we stay red for another 14 days. Great job, guys. Way to miss purple. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. They can't change it for another 14 days. By God, we're still just red. Yeah, and then we'll go to black. (laughs) <laughs> once you go black you never go back
5: hey, hey. You can't even get sick right <laughs>
6: someone had to fuck it up yeah, somebody geez. had to fuck up
2: being sick well especially
0: because yeah. we had planned we were going to do fireworks and explosions and get hammered and yeah, burn yeah. a barn exactly. down, and then we were going to do it at a Hoffa house and like had this whole party planned and all that out right. the window so now we're here This is because well, John had to go and get Corona that's
1: true yeah go figure
3: the uh
1: yeah there, what, what are you what are you holding there john what are you shaking violently you can
4: still do fireworks and explosions
1: <laughs> in the garage fantastic you don't oh, like you that, snap, but- snapping pops oh. uh, i found <laughs> i found some snapping pops inside my in one of my tiki mugs that i was cleaning out you know redoing my tiki thing and I found a bag of Snapping Pops that got to be seven or eight years old. And yeah. they're about uh, 10% good in there. So, you know, I'd throw them at the cat, and the cat would be like, What are you throwing at me? You know, what's, and then like every 10th one pop, you know.
0: Oh, so they don't get better with age.
1: No, they don't. Uh, I'll slowly turn it up. That was just, yeah. uh,
4: uh, you know, that was an adult bank snap. Then we'll go to the
1: Hydro Crackers. And then I'll go oh, on the order. That was one of those stick ones.
4: Yeah, the little, uh, you know, the ones that are, you know, you throw them. They're in the sawdust like
3: a kitty one, but they got the, uh, they're
0: like a little firecracker. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's playing past the <laughs> dutchie.
6: Yeah, throw them. <laughs> That's Chris, probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to Smith the, root, the whole thing, man. We're am
0: starting I, over again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm put my helmet on. My helmet's got Senna Bluetooth. It'll work just fine.
0: Yeah. That was the funny thing. Remember when uh, Hoff rode around and he was on his Senna bl- thing and riding and yes. still on the Zoom thing and it sounded it great? Sounded great. It sounded better than three of the other members on the thing?
1: Yeah, It did. It sounded better than, than it
6: should. Yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned that, I have a question because I, I recently got another helmet for someone else and I was looking into like the audio stuff to talk to someone on, on another helmet and I know that uh, some people are really into like the, C- the Senna is that the way to go or is there
5: another budget uh, version uh, or is it Cardo makes them, Senna mm-hmm. makes them or the two like name brand ones okay. and then the- I, have a, I have a
2: Cardo and I, I like it quite I like a bit Cardo better.
0: I'll tell you this, it depends on what you want to do too if you want to talk to your riding buddy that's going to be hundred feet away from you, then yes, a Senna or a Cardo or something like that. But if you're literally just getting it to have your passenger talk to you, get the fifty dollars eBay ones or thirty-five because like that—that's about how good of the distance they're good for. Yeah. But they work it's like fun. a Bluetooth, just a one for the <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Right. And that's
2: that's the thing with the cheap ones; it is just Bluetooth. With the, the Cardo and the Sennas that's actually using radio communication RF. for the okay. long distance. Yeah. And
0: don't they have some kind of a net now like senna yeah, yeah. has like some kind of a senna, net right like
2: a network yeah 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 so that's there, even, some of the,
1: the even some of the cheap chinese ones have that net uh technology built into them now where you can do like up to four or up to eight riders but the mm-hmm. uh i have the senna 10c because it has the camera built into it so like Ooh, the wow. 10c pro it's like 300 bucks it's not crazy mm-hmm. expensive but if you want to shoot video and do uh, ride reviews a, and stuff the whole thing. on bike, it works really well. I mean, and the microphone's remarkably good. The problem is it doesn't—it doesn't do a good job of picking up motorcycle noise. So it does a really good job of your voice representation, but it does a really bad job of like, oh, I, you know, I can you guys hear how great this bike sounds? And the answer is no, they can't hear how great it sounds because it's got technology to the filter that them. shit out. Now you can. You can choose how much compression you want in your voice on that. And if I turn it all the way down, then, yeah, it does pick up the bite a little bit more, but not nearly enough to be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, but I've yet to use, because I tend to always ride alone, I don't like riding in groups, and I have never used my uh, headset. Now, I have a Senna 10C Pro in my... my like my main drag helmet and then in my backup helmet i got one of those cheap chinese bluetooth things like you know 40 bucks on you know the amazonian princess channel and i use that just for listening to music and one time i was pinged and somebody asked me to like to join their conversation you know just (laughs) just a rando and uh i was like well that's that's never happened before and at the point i was like i was you know I was on my motorcycle and there were nine or ten motorcycles around me and somebody there you know had asked me to join their net and uh, I, was, I was just like fuck no I'm not touching anything I'm just going to stay <laughs> I'm just going to ride, one. Fuck don't gonna ride. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want them I don't need their I don't need yeah we're not, we're not docking <laughs> <laughs> then,
4: they, then they start talking yeah. about you hey who's that weird guy on that weird bike
1: Yeah, yeah exactly and that guy looks gay. Yeah, right. We're gonna go get a real bike, Camaro. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Scooters. <laughs> and that's the way. It, and so, since last podcast, I regret to inform you that it's been rainy like every fucking day since our podcast number two ninety nine or our um, the jam session in front of the shop the other night.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's been fun. shit weather.
4: I want to thank you guys and for indulging this- me on that. I really, I had a good time. I appreciate it. That's
6: all fun.
1: Yeah, that was great fun. time. That was fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. There was so much fun. I mean, that was a load of fun.
6: And there was no footage, so there's there's no point fives in there.
1: Right. <laughs> we didn't record any of it. But... No video. No. Yeah. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. None of that. Not, none of that. Not occurred. a podcast. Bad <laughs> bad singing aside, and yeah, and. Uh, it did surprise me though that Nick knows a lot more of uh, the day the music died. Uh, Don McLean, Miss American Pie.
3: Nick,
1: <laughs> Nick knows more of that than he should. <laughs> Good man, Nick. Yeah, there's Nick is surprising because he's too young. He's too young to have learned that song naturally through osmosis.
5: Right. <laughs> he
7: had to go out and
5: work that. Super Superhawk instead of America the day the music died. It's a day. Super, yeah. hawk
0: right. <laughs> the super hawk died. Right, died.
5: I yeah,
3: was thinking, no, no. oh.
2: <laughs> this American. I learned, really, learned, I learned that song through Weird Al. So. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. That was the first version I knew. That is true. So
1: many of so many of today's popular music I find out about via Weird Al or postmodern jukebox. Right. And I'm just like, oh, that's an interesting song. Let me listen to the original. Oh, I don't like that
6: anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> LA Nick battery died.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like Richard Cheese's version of WAP.
6: Exactly. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. And
1: that's, yeah. It, it took him about 48 hours to record that.
6: Yes. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, do you remember someone actually did request Barbie Girl? Not going to point fingers at someone, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know where he's at. Yeah, we don't know where he's at. It, that's always the game. Yes. And that that is the fun thing about this is like Oscar is over there for me. You
6: know. Oh in the match game. I have Steve's the, over oh, here.
8: What's that? Yeah, I have <laughs> Steve's over here. John over there.
1: That's over Oscar. There. I have Oscar for rape. You. Do you know who's right under me right now? I don't want Ronald
3: to.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: So what's the, what's the shop doing now with the weather the way it is?
1: Uh, we slowed down to a virtual crawl. We we mm-hmm. sold uh, Liberty today, which was pretty exciting, you know, to sell a bike just straight out, right? And so we sold the Liberty, and I get to deliver it out to Andover, uh, Ohio, which is, like, right on the Pennsylvania border. So it's it's kind of a hike, but I'm picking up this guy's Stella sidecar, which hasn't run in about five years.
3: Mm-hmm. So...
1: Um, delivering the liberty that he's buying, and I'm picking up the Stella sidecar, bringing it into the shop to go through it and determine what it needs to be brought back to life.
0: Two or four stroke?
1: I'm assuming it's a two stroke because I did not put into the world any Stella four stroke sidecars.
4: Ah, okay. I might even have my fingerprints
1: yeah. on it. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So I know it's not pink because I have the only pink Stella sidecar that we sold in the shop right now. I now own that bike. W- were you doing the, the uh, fireballs or, or? So we are doing fireball number one. Okay. So fireball number one is at our shop. We got it from Bob's shop in Scooterville. While we have it, we're doing some upgrades to it prior to delivering it out to Connecticut to the owner. Wow. Yeah. So Kristen, who uh, does uh, scooter lust, she's K at scooter lust. So she has a, a podcast and some other stuff. And she loves fireballs. I guess she has other fireballs. And uh, so we're doing the things that she wants us to do to bring the bike sort of, you know, those fireballs have been in the crate for 15 years. What's the fireball? Uh, the fireball is a Stella. Somebody bring it up. Uh, it's a Stella limited edition that they did in 2005. Phil McCaleb, the president of the Genuine Scooter Company and Scooter Works has a relationship with the folks at the Ferrara Pan Candy Company in Chicago. And the Atomic Fireball is a cinnamon-tasty treat, a very large jawbreaker, yep. and an unusually spicy cinnamon thing called an Atomic Fireball. And they made an Atomic Fireball. There you go. Limited edition scooter. Limited
6: edition. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so it's, uh, don't call it a Ronald McDonald bike. No, no, no. It's an atomic fireball. So it has all the iconography that the candy has. So it's got the logo on it and everything else. So Genuine Scooters did a lot of really fun stuff like this. They did a Black Cat fireworks bike. So they did a a Black Cat 49cc. scooter as well so it was um co-branded with the black cat fireworks company but yeah that's a fireball it came from a factory with a racer seat it came from the factory with an aftermarket performance exhaust and wow. uh, the, the dealer uh, had to install that for you it did not come from it, it did not come stock <laughs> that was like an added item i
5: didn't know so, that. Yeah.
1: yeah so yeah Still, were those a lot of, those a kick, lot of cool weren't stuff. Those
5: kickstart only didn't they
4: delete the electric start
1: no, no those are electric start yeah, those okay. are like, um, the real honey deal was for a short while after these bikes were built, we could purchase direct from India, direct from LML, fireball motors in the crate. And so it was the, it was the hot number. It was for you know, under a thousand bucks. You could get a, a fireball motor and the fireball motors were a little bit sweeter than a stock Stella motor. So uh, there were a few things that were a little different between a fireball and a regular Stella motor. So they were a prized commodity and we bought a bunch of them. So when that fireball motor became available to buy as a unit, we bought a bunch of them and we put fireball motors, we put LML Stella fireball motors into a lot of vintage bikes, including a vintage bike I have that ended up with a fireball motor. Well,
4: at a thousand bucks a motor, it's, it's cheaper
1: just to buy the motor and even to rebuild your old one, you know. Absolutely, it's way cheaper, and you have a much better motor. You got much better, you know, electronic ignition. You got everything is better. And then if you want to wire in a, a battery and electric starter, it's very easy to do that, which is what I did on my bike. Yeah.
0: Speaking of uh, motors and boxes, I was just watching this video today where like there's a it's a classic bike museum or something, mm-hmm. but they unearthed uh, ten uh Indian crate motors from World War One or Two. Like it was like the wow. replacement motors that they would send out to the guys in the field. And yeah. they're like it's they're mint. Like they're brand like wow. they they've coated in oil and tape. All the things are taped over and stuff. So they very carefully in the video just opened the side of the crate and looked at it. Yeah. And it was like a hundred year old motor or whatever, like eighty year old mo whatever just yeah. perfectly. And it's still amazing, And they were like you can pop it into a bike right now and take fifteen minutes, it'd be up and running. It's crazy. Yeah.
6: Oh that's huh. so cool. Yeah. That's fantastic.
0: Definitely. What happened? To, wait, where's Sewer Guy? Oh, there he is. I thought he, I thought he getting dead. ice cream getting back.
1: Kromke's <laughs> got the background. Is that a Moto Guzzi Manza 500? A V5, V50. Yeah, V50. Yeah, yeah. I had one of those. Those things are actually really cool. Yeah. And that's my friend, Nick's, my friend Nick's bike. Yeah, 500cc Guzzi's are not thick on the ground around here.
0: Is that the same, Nick, he has quite a few cool bikes, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I asked
7: you about a place uh, for him to get the heads repaired
1: yeah. a couple months ago. Sure. I mean, I probably told you Harper's, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of those things. The, uh, it, I was going to say we've got, uh, we have gotten some cool feedback from, the, uh, from some podcast listeners, so I'll go ahead and pass this on. Uh, real quick for anybody who's interested, uh, one of our podcast oh. listeners said, uh, so one of our podcast listeners is, you know, Northern Indiana guy is kind of, he's, we kind of featured him on the, um, on the podcast before his name's John and he's been through like, a, he's got uh, an SL 350 Honda. So cool bike, right? By any standards. And we were joke we were talking about the TU 250, you know, not particularly fast, but I do love the bike, the Suzuki. And he said, this is what he said. He said, I'd like to chime in and agree with you on the Suzuki TU250. I was a tra- I was training to be an MSF instructor, and most of our trainer bikes were TU250s. Those bikes were so cheerful and easy to ride. I looked forward to every exercise. They were very agile around the parking lot, too. Um, and he said he's looking forward to Podcast 300. Um, that's another, uh, that is one of those, the, the <laughs> TU250, if you can find one, it's not going to go 100 miles per hour, but just buy the damn thing. You're going to like it. Right. They, if you can lay your hands on one cheap, all the better. Because it's, it's a and fuel-injected it's motorcycle.
2: It's one, the, it's one of the few Suzukis that cannot have a historical plate on them. It, it has fuel injection. It's a <laughs> modern motorcycle.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's going to have to live a little while longer before it can put an honest right. historical plate on it.
0: I found a website where a lot of guys were turning them into cafe racers, but doing it well, not just hacking them apart and stuff, like doing a really good job. And that's kind of cool, I think.
1: We've done a couple of them uh, to the customer specifications, which sometimes is building what you'd expect, you know, the brown seat, brown grip variety thing. Uh, but yeah, they're a remarkably easy bike to work with. They're easy to do anything, too. So it's, it's a good bike in general. The uh, so uh, in the in the news of the motorcycle world, uh, the new Grom that's coming out yeah. has apparently got people really really fucking agitated. Either people love it because of the modular bodywork that is literally held on with like Zeus fasteners, right? Um, or they fucking hate it because it looks like the Lego toy, like it looks like a Lego motorcycle. Yeah, because it, um, it does. It's slab sided and just. There's no curves anywhere on the machine except for the tires.
0: But they're not being visionaries because if you think about it, with stuff that is e- is that easy to put on and off, the aftermarket company is going to be going nuts in like a month, and you'll be able yeah. to probably get a, like a Ducati body or whatever for it, you know?
1: Well, more importantly, I can go into the parking lot and steal all your body work in about 11 seconds. Wow. <laughs> so I that's think there's going to be a lot of naked groms running around.
8: <laughs> well, there'll be one naked grom and everybody else is stealing... Stuff for yeah.
1: folks. Um, I did see that they planned on raising the horse. This this bike's horsepower is now all the way up to 9.2. Wow. Wow. What it was it? Like 8.9 uh, before, right? Yeah. So uh, it's up to 9.2 now. And it has a fifth gear in the transmission. Oh,
0: really? Oh, yeah,
5: very modern
1: modern yeah. Very modern stuff. Yeah. Very modern stuff. So
5: they'll we'll only do the same speed. <laughs> <So what's> the <laughs> point? I mean, I'd rather just have four gears.
1: Yeah. It's It's. It's that kind of a thing where it's like four gears, five gears, 17 gears. It really doesn't matter. The bike is still what the bike is.
0: Yeah, but, but the, the, the TNT has a five, fifth gear, and it's awesome. Like, that's I, what gives it 70-mile-an-hour speed.
1: I, I think the TNT's biggest shortcoming is the TNT doesn't have a uh, an ECU that lets you get to 14,000 RPM.
0: Yeah, well, that's true, too.
1: Because if you let the TNT, and I know that's the case with the 302 as well, is the only thing holding the 302 back from going well over hundred miles per hour is a rev limiter. Right. And that bike clearly wants to go about 4,000 RPM higher than the rev limiter lets it go. So that's just, you know, that's the, that's the world of small, small bikes, you know, small pistons, a little twin like that 302, little tiny, you know, pistons running around 150 CCs a piece. Yeah.
0: You're going to want to see it go up. There's a dude on YouTube that has a 135. He did the 135cc um, uh, big bore, mm-hmm. and the bazer or whatever, the ECU unit and stuff where you can just tune it with your phone. Yep. And uh, right. I think he did move the rev limiter, and he's getting he's getting like 85, 90. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, there's he- other guys doing motor swaps. This one dude, Mike Davis, has a 450. The, the CSC 450, the adventure bike. Yeah. He found a wrecked one, and he put the 450 motor into a TNT 135.
1: Holy shit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's (laughs) good. I guess he's got that whole power-to-weight ratio thing figured out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
1: So I'm sad to say that since uh, we built that that Zero SRF with the giant TKC80, very knobby Mm -hmm. tires on it, and and cleaned up the front end and and put the little – twin projector beam, you know, bug eye headlights on it. Um, And we did all that cool shit, but it's been raining every fucking day since then. And I'm not scared of riding the bike in the rain. I just don't want to have to fucking clean it. Yeah. Because, you know, the customer's giving me carte blanche to go ride it and do whatever I want with it, but I don't want to crash it. I don't want to break it. And we always talk about new tires being a little sketchy for the first couple hundred miles. I can imagine new knobby tires with 140 torques behind it you're really trusting that bosch stability control system at that point so i was gonna ride it yesterday and it fucking poured and so i was like i'm really hoping at some point i have to give the man his bike (laughs) i don't want to it will be interesting
6: to see how the bike actually reacts with the knobbies with the with the control to see how it actually reacts on you just kind of
1: yeah that's exactly it. And with the um, with the current configuration, just taking it over to do a photo shoot, when we put the lighting in, we needed some T9 bulbs, little tiny, tiny bulbs. They're called T9s. And they go in things like speedometer clusters and shit like that. And that's what this thing had. And the only T9 bulbs we had, because we converted this headlight assembly over to complete LED to make it work with the electronics in the zero because they didn't want to support the high draw of incandescence. Mm-hmm. So the only T-9s we had in our building were these little red bastards. So we put these red bastards in the pilot light holes for the headlights. And aside from looking like a satanic motorcycle, when, as soon as you turn the key on, they, both of its eyes just glowed red. That's cool. Until like you know the low beam circuit goes mm-hmm. on and That's then on one the- of them is white and the other one is red. Huh. So we ran it with those disconnected because I didn't want to get pulled over by the police or anything running red lights on the front of the motorcycle. And I just did a little bit of a run around the neighborhood, and in street mode, which is about 80% of what the bike can give you, I could crack the throttle as hard as I wanted to, and it did not launch and did not take off with enough authority to rip the knobs off the tires. Mm-hmm. So clearly it's doing its little balancing act between right. you know thrust and trust. So it's, it's working you know one against the other. So I want to see what it will do on dry pavement in sport mode you know, we're not going to do something. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to shut the traction control off. We're not fucking you know, stupid, but we do want to, you know, we don't want to just throw the bike away. It's a $20,000 bike. But right. we did want to put it in sport mode with the traction control engaged and see what will happen with that knobby tire. You know, will the bike accelerate with a great sense of authority? And how long will it take it to go from zero to 60 with those knobbies on compared to with normal, you know, Pirelli Diablo Rosa Corsa 2s, you know? So it'll be but interesting to find that out. Because right?
4: you think the knobbies changed the ratio a little bit, right?
1: No, what I think happens, I, we measured it out. So I measured the runout, and the runout's almost the same on the knobbies as it is on the factory tires. The biggest difference, though, is, of course, the knobbies are going to have a different traction package. So right, right, right. it'll be the same it's as, kind of like, it'll be like, like
3: yeah. so it'll be like the bikes in the rain.
4: Contact. And like Contact you said, that bike that bike learns its traction. It learns the tires that are on it.
3: That's
1: exactly it. So I'm wondering if when we go out, if I take a regular zero with factory tires on it and blast it zero to sixty, run you know run my program and see how long that takes, and then do the same thing with the nobbies. What the difference is going to be on dry pavement with the TKC 80s? Because I got to believe there's going to be a whole lot of thrust and then trust. You know, it's going to be a lot of sure, you're asking for this, but when I gave it to you, the tire broke a little bit, so we took some of that away. Right. You're going to get it to
3: the limit,
1: but it's going to need to figure out where that limit's at and adjust for it. Yeah. And so that's the magic of Bosch Stability Control is you don't actually feel it. It happens so quickly. So, uh, but the result will be the the timer will dictate, the timer will tell us how much performance loss there is by going to the knobby tires. We're not going to know it just through the seat of our pants.
0: Hey, speaking of zero, did you guys see this? This is pretty cool, man. Right, that.
1: Yes. Yeah. But- wow. That's Deus Ex Machina and uh, the machine from God. And that's our God from the machine. The uh, That's like one of one, man. And yes. that, I think Deus said that that might be the last bike they're building, that they're they're done after that.
0: It is. It is. Look at that thing, man.
8: Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I think that's yeah, welcome to the machine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the machine. The uh, It's a gorgeous bike. I mean.
0: It's really neat to see them integrate, though, to show you that, like, you know, like a lot of people say that a lot of the electric bikes don't have the style and fit and form. And like, they don't like, you know, it doesn't look like motorcycles to them. Yeah. Well, you see that you can't argue the fact that that's classic as hell. You know what I mean? a uh, like, so like
1: Motorcycle. Yeah, it does. It looks like a motorcycle. It's it's exactly what I want a motorcycle to look like. And when you look at it though, and you kind of appreciate everything that they put on there is carbon fiber and perfectly hand built. Um, it is it's just gorgeous. I mean that's that's a badass bike. I mean that's 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 there's no better way to put it. That thing's just gorgeous. And so,
0: and it doesn't look like it would be super uncomfortable.
1: I um it, yeah right. I mean. It's it's still one of those it's it's that kind of a thing. Uh, it, it doesn't the this was the uh, that is oh yeah
0: that's oh I can uh, hold on oh wait no I can't
1: Never mind. yeah that's what we put together that's really good yeah that's what we put together and then uh, just for fun the uh, Sparky was nice enough to make sure that we uh, let the customers know that it is an authentic scrambler. No <laughs> oh, high pipe though. Where's the high pipe? That is the high pipe. Yes.
6: Yeah.
4: Oh.
1: Yeah. There you go. So now it is a real. Now it's officially a scrambler.
0: No, but you know what you should do. You should get like really thick charging cables and just run two of them up and out the back like that in PVC pipe. And I just,
1: just yeah. I thought we should just have PVC pipe, <laughs> painted silver or painted you know aluminum, but then slide beer cans in it. Yeah. <laughs> just have it, just have it be nothing but like each tube holds yeah.
2: six beers,
0: or or a potato launcher, so if or you're a really potato a launcher, company, exactly. Yeah. So have,
2: you gun- have, you
3: seen,
2: have you guys seen the? Uh, there's a uh, like a bicycle accessory that looks like an exhaust pipe, but it has a card that sticks out into the spokes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but the exhaust is like a uh, a, a, a megaphone, so that it amplifies the, tongue,
1: the See, John, that's perfect. Uh, John, that would be that would be perfect. That just it has a
0: mint
8: set of cv three hundred and fifty pipes just laying around. Just uh... Nick, tell me about the card that sticks into the spokes. What the card? <laughs> I thought I thought you were talking about a card that's stuck yeah. into the spokes.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a fake exhaust that you can put on your little BMX bike or something like that. That that has the it has a noisemaker.
8: We used to do that with baseball cards. Yeah, right. and just a little... Yep, yep. You and, got a, uh, a yeah, and a clothespin.
1: I'm so glad you guys brought this up because I'm very proud to show you guys that I am the owner of an actual that turbo This That is exactly
2: sports. what I'm talking about. Oh, that shit. Is this is exactly
1: what you're talking about. Yep. And this is basically a plastic baseball card with a resonance... Megaphone that you clip onto your bicycle to give it motorcycle sounds. I have never. And I've had this thing. I've had this thing for years. In the box. Please
2: oh, yeah. tell me. Please tell me. In you the box. Put that on a bureau.
1: So what's funny is it has
2: <laughs> it has
1: three different cards to give you three different styles of sound.
3: Oh wow! Um, does so it do the uh, potato have- potato? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, th- I think it does.
3: I, it's, That's the. I love the move. fact that these. Go ahead. Yeah, I
1: love the fact that these cards are literally interchangeable. Quick, they're quick disconnect cards, so you can slide a card out and put a different card in to change the tone of your bicycle.
0: Oscar, if you want to get that potato potato, you got to remove about seventy five percent of your spokes and just leave them on two sides of the wheel.
3: (laughs) But then, of course, it breaks,
0: and it breaks, and you can't ride it anymore. So then, it's just like a real Harley.
3: It'll sound amazing.
1: Yeah, but you have to wear your leather pants when you have the potato. <laughs> so that's it. But oh, That's what it is. If you guys are interested. Yeah, you I might even it. still be able to find one of these. Oh yeah, look. Okay. I think. What is it's called the the bicycle exhaust system? There you go. Nope. There oh my go.
6: god! Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah,
1: yeah. there yeah, you cool. go. That's cool.
6: it.
0: I like it. Oh, yeah. it is. there! Oh, wait, wait! Oh, there it is. Okay,
1: yeah. slow downs. So down. the packaging has changed a little bit, but other than that. But yes, I was I was very much considering when I bought this, the reason I bought it was I thought it'd be fun to try to retrofit it onto a zero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be excellent. Yes. Can you hear yeah, it?
1: I, I figured for all the haters out there i said, you know, loud pipes save lives, I could just <laughs> have that in my yeah. shop in my shop and be like, Well no. So for you, I have this because you're special. And
0: yeah. you know that when, the- when electric bikes become like prevalent and they're more everywhere there's going to be a yeah. whole class of the guys that put amplifiers and speakers on them to make them sound mm-hmm. loud just you know Absolutely. eventually somebody's yeah. going to be doing that
2: yeah i want to know how well that uh turbo spoke works on alloy wheels yeah
1: well there's one spoke every quarter depending on the wheel you know it's like if it's a three spoke it's going to have to be going really really fast to make any noise you know so if you've got a three spoke alloy it's not going to make a whole lot of noise Mm-hmm. it's, it's going to probably sound like a fart <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs>
4: <to> <laughs> or an influx- turbo the bicycle yeah. exhaust system or a Macklefresh
7: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hold on wait a minute let's see if we can get this to work this will be interesting there it is what it's you crazy. doing
6: oh wow
0: alright oh, it's hey, actual oh, oh, no. if you can
6: make your bike look and sound like this <laughs> well now you can with turbo Spoke? TurboScope fits to any kind of bike
7: and
3: makes it look and sound like a real motorbike. TurboScope includes everything to totally transform your bike. It fits in just 5 minutes and comes with 15 custom stickers. There's no need for batteries because the sound comes from the motorbike. Each kit contains 3 cards for 3 different sounds. The megaphone exhaust pipe not only looks cool, it really amplifies the sound.
0: All right. Well, there you have
1: it. Wow! It, wow. You, it, it even it even makes the skids look sexier. It does. <laughs> Is, Is that, that a use? shark tank
0: winner? That kid was covered in poon later on the day.
7: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like a it's like a mating call. <laughs> Sorry, we're other
3: dudes. <laughs> That was the oh, best Becky
1: wait. it's coming it's coming from this direction Becky come on <laughs> There was the best meme I've seen recently
0: it shows this kid it's like I'm going to buy this motorcycle and be so cool with the ladies then the next panel is like him at a gas station these guys are like hey that's a cool bike man then the next panel is like 10 old guys around him like I used to have one of those and the next panel is like ah
1: can confirm <laughs> yeah can fucking confirm that, that is, is it Major mistake of my life was I spent all of my teenage and young 20s years doing things that would only make me attractive to old white men.
0: <laughs> or the occasional. Yeah. Retin- and that
1: was basically, <laughs> I, I assure you that everything I've done was what I call pussy repellent.
4: I can confirm I'm as old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. if i had any advice the best advice i could give to a young a young male um a young male motorcycle like somebody who's really into motorcycles because they want to be into motorcycles but if they want to trans they they, if they want to convert that love of motorcycles into sex
8: ballroom dancing
1: with with yes exactly if they want to confirm that from convert it from motorcycle appreciation into sex The only way that you're going to be able to do that is to learn how to wheelie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If you can't wheelie, it is a lot harder. Mm. And like, that was it for me. For me, I had to like learning how to wheelie was, was job one. It was really, really important. Mm. It's really, really important. Yeah. And you, you look like just anybody's just idiot friend. If you're going down the street on some low displacement, small displacement, 150 or 250 cc motorcycle. Nobody's going to give you the time of the day, but if you throw a wheelie on command, now even the guys on much bigger bikes that can't do that are like, "Oh, well done." You know, did you see what that guy did? That guy fucking. Did you see? He just wheelied that shit. It helps. So the guy who wants goes past the guy who goes past our shop, 12 o'clock on that Dyna. No problem.
4: It helps if you're yeah. skinny and you have a mullet and you're wearing a sleeveless. Belly shirt and you're a guy.
1: (laughs) Am? That's just everyone under the age of 22 at AMA Vintage Days, (laughs) and that's the girls too. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's been so long; I'm starting to forget what that that event was like. Man, so tragic. Oh, it'll
1: it'll be like a whole new event next year. Yeah. Right.
4: Well, Um, Isle of Man the uh Phil um, Bruce posted the shooting scoot is supposed mm-hmm. to happen not this weekend but I think the next weekends uh, yep uh, November 7th so you get a little bit of that
3: mm-hmm.
1: if you choose. the uh, Isle of man's already been canceled for 2021 really so what yeah so uh, and that's one of those things that's not official they haven't officially said Isle of Man is canceled but uh, the the people who are in charge of things like altering the road so it can they're be coming. up in a racetrack, those people are all saying, like, well, we would have to start making preparations for the race in like February or March. That's true. And yeah. our numbers, the whole world is still going up right now. Yeah. So, with the whole world going up right now, unless they a can risk it. happens, we're not going to go down to give them enough time to get that race ready. So,
6: do that.
0: Do they have any COVID on the island? Like, did they keep it yes. out of the island? Oh, they do. They-, they do.
1: And it's really fucking small. Don't get me wrong. It's a really, really low count. Yeah. But it's not zero. And I don't blame them for their little tiny island with very few hospital beds.
6: Your fucking spike. Yeah.
1: To say, oh, let's bring something that's twice as big as Sturgis.
2: Well, and even if they don't let in spectators, that's still a lot all the race teams and yeah. racers and mechanics and everything like that you know Formula One has been going around with these uh you know audience list races at, yeah. at tra- empty tracks uh but even still there's been occasional cases by the the team yeah did well, go you
6: guys mention Lost... time they're still trying to play- go ahead no, you guys mentioned on the last podcast that uh, the boutyen Rossi already is Positive,
0: right? Yep. Yep. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, the doctor tested positive, man. Yeah, they pulled them out of a – like, you know, you didn't race and the whole thing. Yeah, it's getting weird. It blows my mind that they're trying to play professional football.
4: You know, like these guys, they got to test them twice a day, and it's a full contact sport. I mean, you're constantly breathing on each other and spitting on each other and sweating on each other. But, no, it's too much money. We can't say no.
1: Right. Well, and that's – and that's kind of everywhere. I mean, that's a really hard thing to 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 square in your brain when your kids aren't allowed to go to school or do schooly kind of things, but the football is allowed to happen. You know, or when the University of Michigan says all classes are canceled, shelter in place, go the fuck home, except football. You yeah. know. And that's that's tough.
0: We were when I was in Ohio or Ohio state last week, I was in Columbus shooting and like I I pretty much didn't go by anybody. Um, You know, like we had a a couple interviews, whatever. But we were driving around Columbus, and I was getting aerials of some of the buildings, and they were setting up all the TV stuff and everything for the Buckeyes game. And it's like they're talking, like they're only letting so many people into the stadium, but all those workers, they were just on
8: top of each other. Like there's just guys everywhere, and I'm like, there's going to be somebody that's getting sick from all this. Like it was, it was weird. Yeah, the problem was during the football game, they didn't let the Nebraska Cornhuskers into the stadium. Really? <laughs>
0: he's, he's telling sports jokes, and none of us get it. Yeah, no.
6: I'm like, I don't know. Is that a
0: sports joke? Is that a
8: thing? Does, sports ball sports joke. Is that how sports works? <laughs> no, Nebraska got their ass kicked. Oh, that's because they all were corn husking all night long, and they couldn't. Uh, they couldn't. Well, get- well, the you know the humor. The whole thing is University of Nebraska is one of the groups of uh, schools that sued in order for them to be able to get out there and play. And they traditionally, mm-hmm. in the combined Big Ten, finished seventh out of tenth. Wow. So, you know, sue for your right to come in third last. Attaboy. <laughs> so the,
1: are, are those the Sooners or are those the yeah, Huskers? Corn Huskers. Huskers, okay. Because I've got a, uh, one of our friends, Caitlin and Chris, at Capital City Scooters in Columbus. I know he's a huge Nebraska fan. And for one year for his birthday, they sent him out there to go to Nebraska game. So there are fans for Nebraska in Columbus, Ohio, of, you know, because there's not enough corn in Columbus, I guess. they got to go and get their own corn in Nebraska. Yeah, they keep a low profile, too. <laughs> yeah.
6: I guess uh, someone has an ice cream coma over there. An ice cream comb over?
0: Oh, no, coma. Coma. <laughs>
4: An ice cream coma. <laughs> I don't know. I can't see my vid- my videos for shit. Yeah, but at least I'm hearing. All I got so is well. Christmas,
1: Christmas lights on him. So yeah, yeah. the uh, that's it. That's all I got. The, there uh, he goes. Yep. Yeah. He's back. He's back on the radar. Yeah. He had to take
5: and an not under the heater. So <laughs> this to get under the heater.
1: Can anybody guess what that is? What
0: did well, that I come, come out of your here. bedroom or somewhere else?
1: Because I- <laughs> it's a little small for that. Some O-ring. <laughs> so this is uh this is a device that I use here in the house to control my main coon cat. This is a milk ring. Oh, and, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. When you open up a container of milk or grape juice or whatever, this oh. son of a bitch right here is the remote control for a 18 pound house cat. And if you want to see an 18 pound house cat tear ass as fast as he can go, this is what you need right here. And he'll bring it back in his mouth like it's the biggest rat he's ever caught in his life. And as long as you as long as you have this right here, you've got his full attention. Um, it is it is game on. And and when you got a tail like that, Holy crap. yeah, yeah, it's it's game. This is and he brought this to me just now while I'm doing the podcast because you need to,
8: you need to slide it on his tail and see what happens. <laughs> You know what? He doesn't care. He'll, he'll go look for another one to chase. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, you, you wing that thing, and he's gone. It's like 240. He's out of here. So Better than any laser pointer in the world. And he's mad at me now. I play, picked him up. So he'll take it over to Merrick.
4: Do you want to play Name That Part?
1: Yeah, Name That Part. I'll put this my glasses on.
4: This should be fairly easy. All right. So that's one end of this thing. And then you can see this end of it. What is that? Oh, oh that's a kickstaff, kickstart, kickstart quadrant kickstart. right there. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, that's a shift linkage. Yeah,
1: that's, exactly
4: yeah, that goes, what yeah, that's a shift you linkage. What that, that's out of a Yamaha CS5,
7: Dan. I was going to say, it looks a lot like the one that I've seen in the drawings.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's out of your bike.
0: That's why it won't run. See? You didn't have that okay, in. Okay, done. <laughs> Finished. Oh, no,
4: that... That was a motor that was so fucked up, I couldn't get the, I couldn't get the flywheel off no matter what I did. I ended up cutting it all apart, just because I wanted the internals out of it to make trophies for the, uh, uh, uh mods versus rockers. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> so, John, are you going to be opening a, uh, elect, uh, electronics uh, shop soon? From uh, your post today.
4: Uh, uh, refresh my memory. What did I post?
0: Um. how your vacuum cleaner now turns on the light. Yes, I'm the
4: <laughs> world's best electrocutionist. <laughs> yeah,
0: I uh, know. There There's another part.
3: So. Oh, that's a petcock. Yeah. Huh?
1: For what bike?
3: What's it from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let's
1: see. Huh. Boy, I'll tell you what. It looks unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. Uh, Now, I know I have insider information as to what's in your garage. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to stay back a little bit. I'm going to hang back a little bit. I'm going to let the other guys have at this. But that is an exquisite petcock. That can't be for –
2: is that for a a Vespa
1: moped? Mm. Mm -mm.
6: It's it's too big for for being that. Actually, it is. Oh, yeah. It is big.
1: Oh but yeah. I, think, I think the secret to the answer of this is the the gorgeous removable uh, sediment bowl. Right. So that, that beautiful. Even the naming
6: one. is just kind of. if it's focused. Does it have naming on the back?
1: Oh my God! Look at that. That is beautiful. The
6: etching is. Oops.
1: What does that say? That that's in the casting. Yeah. what is it, it? on my monitor? But focus, you fuck.
0: Exactly. I don't think it's going webcams suck. They'll never yeah. focus that. Yeah, it way. looks like it says CalEx
1: or something <laughs> from my end. Something like that. Yep. I don't know. I'm stumped. Calgon. Take
3: Calgon, take me, me take away. Me away. <laughs> yeah.
0: Marketing works apparently. So any takers? No? No. What is it? From the Fuji Rabbit.
3: Yeah. Uh, Sixty one that's
1: a Subaru oh. fuel tap.
6: Yeah, Superflow. <laughs> yep. yeah.
1: So that's a that's a Subaru Fuji fuel tap. Um that I mean, and that thing's been missing or you know, fucked up for a very long time. So that had to come from J.A. Pan in a very old box. Yep,
6: yeah,
1: because mm-hmm. that's a, what 1961 61. Yep, yeah, yeah. So that's that's really um, is that a replica or is that new old stock?
6: No, that's that's the original one.
1: That's the one that came off the bike. You
6: rebuilt that? no, you know what? No, I got this one from from a guy from Japan. Yeah, because the one I gave bike. you looked like dog Yeah, shit. from another bike, yeah. Yeah,
1: the one I gave you was, like, not even the right the original, thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> John must have farted.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that thing's gorgeous. I mean, yeah. that's yeah, really The detail nice. on the
0: padcock
1: is just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's perfect. That's exactly what you'd expect to find from a 1961 piece, you know. Real good stuff.
6: Go. Yeah, See, I, Nick I, I
1: totally dig that. with. Wow. So the uh, I'm I'm gonna pull up some um, we've had a couple of emails we had a couple of messages so I'm gonna pull those up as catch as catch can I guess the, yeah uh, because it's it's kind of cool we could, yeah occasionally get a good message here the um, does has anybody done like in the past week has anyone tried to brave the weather to do any proper riding
3: hmm?
2: yeah just just around the block like a test ride well, sleepy's got a whole new bike
0: yep well yeah. what? We rode Saturday, what was that, Sunday? What day did we ride?
2: Sunday? I guess that was within the past week, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was before it started raining.
3: Yeah,
0: it was still before it rained. I rode a little bit, yeah. Too, but yeah, I, I, I traded my S10 for an a FJ09.
4: You might want to clarify for people what an S10 is.
0: Oh, I, 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 I <laughs> gave up on my Super 10 rain. I traded it for a, a FJ09. Um, not the F10 truck? <laughs> no, not the S10 truck. Um, And I'm a happy clam, man. It's a much faster bike. It's more nimble. Um, It has uh, real suspension. The guy paid about three grand for uh, suspension work on the bike. So it has uh, cartridges in the front, an actual uh, uh, shock in the back, a Penske shock. And I've never had a bike with, like, worked on suspension, and it's pretty amazing. It's nuts. Mm -hmm. And and, And the guy weighed exactly my weight. He was 231 pounds, so it's set up for 235 pounds, and I'm 231, so... For now, I'm going to try to lose a couple of them. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so, oh,
2: don't, don't do that. You're going to mess up the suspension.
0: Yeah. yeah oh, that's a, crazy. that's I'll tell my wife, I can't <laughs> lose weight. I have to keep my suspension <laughs> working perfectly. <laughs> but, um,
1: well, me, I mean, that's, that's very cool.
0: Yeah, and I mean, for where we live, as much as we all, well, not all of us, but losers like me dream of being, uh, you know, the boys on long way up or whatever. The reality is, is I can't get two weeks off or three weeks off of work. To you get to a trail, you're talking four and a half to five hours of slabbing to get somewhere. And by that time, I'd rather have just had fun. <laughs> so it made sense for me. And and the trade deal, like both of us, we knew it was a good trade because we were both nervous about giving up our bikes. And then when we got to the <laughs> we got to the uh the parking lot where we met and stuff by this bank, like he perked up because he could see I didn't lie, and I perked up because I could see he didn't lie. Like we both it was a very, very fair trade, 100% both ways. The mileage was relatively close. Like, I think the overall value was pretty close, and everybody's happy. So it worked out pretty good, man, first time.
4: Did you guys, did you guys go on a little test ride holding hands while you were doing it and everything? Mm-hmm.
0: Totally. But I do have kind of a funny story. So he was from Kentucky, and obviously we're from Cleveland. So we drew, we drew two circles from where he lived, where I lived, uh, that we estimated to be about three hours away. And where the circles intersected, we looked for a town where we could meet, so we both ride about three hours. And it happened to be Circleville, Ohio, where uh, Captain Trump and his guys were coming that afternoon. So we went to this random city in the middle of Ohio just trying to get away and to do his bike trade. And then there's like 90,000 pickup trucks doing parades and stuff. It was crazy, man. I just wanted to get my bike and go home. (laughs) But of all the cities in all the countries and all the places, I had to pick that one on that day.
1: And that's funny too, because you're just like, look, we just want to frolic with each other's motorcycles. We just want
0: to we just want to
1: bond yeah. over each other's bikes. We don't want to get involved in your political message. Yeah, no politics, no politics, just right. bike trade, bike trade. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is it. Did you say rough trade? No, I said bike trade. <laughs> bike
3: trade. No rough trade.
0: No, 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 definitely not.
1: We're fine. But
0: uh, the, the funny part is is the guy, he was a bit obsessive trying to find his perfect thing on the bike. So, besides the bike, he gave me six windscreens and three seats. So, I have like a saddleman seat, I got another seat, and the stock seat. And he's like, This windshield's really good for winter. This one's good for spring. This one's good for this. And like, I'm giving him like a bag of parts and a little thing. I'm like loading boxes into my family. <laughs> like, that sounds like the Huff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I know anybody who's ever owned a BMW motorcycle has at least three seats. Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody I've ever bought a BMW from is like, okay, well, here's the factory seat, and then here's the sergeant's seat, and here's the Russell Daylong seat. Like, well, what seat seat did you like the best?
2: I still haven't figured one out yet. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the the good thing uh, for Sleepy's new bike is I think that that windscreen might be quick release because we (laughs) went on a ride the day after or like a couple days after he got it, and on the way back to his house, the windshield fell off,
0: well, here's why, though. Is the guy must have switched it, and it had those rubber those rubber grommety things, and he just didn't tighten them. So, like, okay. I went to adjust my GPS, and the windscreen just came off of my hand, and I was like, okay, and I just put it on my lap and kept riding. But, you know, I just fixed it, it, it I screwed it back. It was fine. But, yeah, he must have just swapped it real quick, you know, for whatever mm-hmm. reason and just didn't tighten it. But I did get lucky it didn't fly off or something. That was kind of funny. Hey, did you guys see the new
7: seat I got for my BMW?
1: Is yeah. it the one behind you? And yeah, it's the so that looks like a Corbin.
0: I like the white piping. Dan, say something! I can't see you. Yeah, he
8: froze, but um, Dan
1: totally froze. He tries to say one word and he gets locked up.
8: Yeah, <laughs> yes, be from the left hand side. Your yeah, it's right. crashing again.
0: Yes, yes, it is. But here, we're gonna have to tell you that your white piping, you need to dirty it a little bit so it matches the tank. Because ah. the tank's got 200,000 miles on it. That seat <laughs> looks like it's got about four minutes on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he can't respond. Yeah. He'll be back. He'll be yeah. back. Oh, damn God. Yeah. I,
4: I'm just sitting here th- thinking about how you would dirty the white piping on a seat, what? and it, nothing good comes to mind. There's no,
1: there's no good answer for <laughs> that. Taco
4: Bell yeah. uh,
0: whiskey. And if you said...
1: It's just like every motorcycle I've ever put white walls on as soon as I put the white walls on I'm always like fuck man like because they're gonna look like dog shit because they're gonna have like one fucking scratch or scuff or mark or something they're gonna look like shit until they're damn near worn out and when they're damn near worn out they're gonna look perfect right right so it's like the, well, of the, I, made white the
2: walls, I made the mistake of uh, putting white walls on my Vespa yeah and uh, the, the rear one is just oil streaks. Yeah, yeah, it's useless. On the one
0: side.
1: The left side of the rear tire. <laughs> right, right, right. The left right. side
2: of the rear tire is just a it rear.
1: fine. It's just where oil goes to die. The,
0: uh, I always thought it was funny. You know how they have those tire stickers, like Nitto or whatever, those big tire stickers? There's guys that are putting yeah. them on dirt bikes, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to go ride in the mud with white <laughs> tire stickers on?
1: I'm surprised that never became a market or a thing. Is white walls on your dirt bike. You yeah. Horrible.
0: The, the militia yeah. guys, I'm sure, have done something like that. Yeah.
1: The, uh, so it looks like Cromkey might be back.
0: Yes, yeah, like the third time Zoom has
7: crashed
1: tonight. He's tried to use bandwidth. Oh, I see. Yeah, so now is that seat, is that a Corbin seat that you have on there? Is that what that is? Yeah, I
7: replaced my Corbin seat with that.
1: Is that a Corbin seat? Yeah. Okay, so you replaced the Corbin with another Corbin?
7: I can show you both of them, but I can't share my screen.
1: Okay, that's fine. We can see it behind you right now. So we can see that there's clearly what appears to be a Corbin seat with a white piping on it behind you.
0: Is it comfortable? It looks like it's brand new, pretty much.
1: It does
8: look like it's brand new. Yeah.
0: That's, well, you were gone. We were saying that you might want to dirty the piping a little bit to match the gas tank because it's so <laughs> bright.
1: <laughs> a brand new Corbin seat is harder than Chinese arithmetic, so I've heard. <laughs>
7: You know, this one, I haven't ridden it yet, so I, I just got to put on.
1: Yeah.
0: Everybody, yeah. I know, everybody I know that gets them says they hate them, and, but then if they suffer through it for about 800 miles, then they become right. the best seat ever made. Exactly. And I think wow. that's what
1: it is. I think that in order to appreciate how good a Corbin seat is, you can't just sit on it for like nine seconds no, because it's designed to support your ass for a long time.
7: I think this one is actually a little softer than the, uh, the, uh, the carbon seat I took off it, which is actually, it's not a, a lot lower, but it, it, you sit more forward in the seat than on this one. Oh, okay. So it puts you closer to the controls.
0: That one looks like there's two hands just cradling your butt, like right with all the little just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's like, that's normal. That's, that's when it's every night.
1: <laughs> those Russell Daylong saddles, which are amazing unless you look at them, um, when you look at them, they actually have wings. They, they should just have fingers drawn on them because the saddles, you have to sit, you have to climb over the ass handles to sit on the motorcycle. Right. And when you see these things, when you see a Russell Daylong saddle, it's the most pronounced, ridiculous king and queen looking saddle you're ever going to see in your life. Because it might as well be off of like a 1926 Farmall tractor. Right. It is a bucket for your ass to sit on. But and
0: if you see one, you know the person's actually a rider, though, because nobody yeah. buys one, like, customized their bike and, you know, hey, look at me, I got a Russell Daylong.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and that's absolutely true. It's like I bought several motorcycles that had Russell Daylongs on them when I bought them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, dis- it's disturbingly ugly. Like, the bike is horrible. And it's got the same basket weave material like an old cop's belt had from the 50s. And it's just, it's that kind of a thing that you're looking at it and you're like, oh man, that is fucking awful, man. Like, it's got this terrible fiberglass fairing on it. It's got this these horrible bags on the back that are all like, they're, they're from, I didn't even know JCPenney made motorcycle accessories. <laughs> and you look at this whole thing and then you get on the bike and you ride it. and You're like, oh my God, this is fucking heaven.
3: Yeah.
1: And you're like, my feet don't reach the ground, but it feels great, you know? So, yeah, it's a really weird thing because motorcycle accessories from a previous era, they came from all over the goddamn place, you know? And they were, they were generally pretty good. So, the, uh, it's, it's a weird thing when you get into older bikes and you buy older bikes from old people and they put the height of technology in 1975 on their motorcycle.
0: Yep. You know what's kind of neat, too, is if you get some of the older motorcycle magazines, and you get to those back pages where the ads keep getting smaller, like you'll see like some dude was just making like little things in his garage and selling them. Like there's a lot more ingenuity in small little companies making stuff back then, you know?
1: Yeah. It's, it is really funny. Um, a couple of motorcycles I bought have had giant Vetter fairings on them. And then on the Vetter fairing, because we live in Cleveland, a place where there's rain and snow and salt and shit like that, there's this big rubber like a, a, a rubber clear. You, it's, you know, it's, it's transparent, well-ish. It's transparent rubber that bolts into the bottom of the fairing and drapes down like Liberace's cloak and then goes back up into some clips, literally little clips that go into the oh, end of your brother. handlebars. Okay? Wow. So it's not like a scooter skirt. It's a drape. It's like a, an actual cloak. And it's made out of clear or transparent, translucent rubber. So it's the same stuff they make the meat curtains out of at the butcher shop and whatever, right? And that dangles down off of the the windshield or the fairing and goes down to literally protect your knees and your legs from the shit and then to keep it from just flapping in the breeze, right? Like an old lady parachutist, it's literally going back up to these little clips that go into the end of the handlebars. And wow. years ago, I bought a Honda CD 500, um, you know, it's very short run, very, you know, 72 CD 500 uh, Honda. And it had this massive windshield on it and it had this massive backrest, and massive bags on a bike that had like 29 horsepower on its best day, <laughs> but it had these rubber curtains on it, these meat curtains on it. And I was like, that's got to go now. That's coming off immediately. And it had a giant eight-track cassette right in the middle of the windjammer, right? And I rode the bike with those big fucking ridiculous elephant ear meat curtains on it. And it rode perfectly. Like, you could go 70 miles an hour, and those things didn't move. Like, whoever thought it out, thought it out perfectly.
6: You didn't catch air or anything? No, nothing. It was
1: just (laughs) fine. It was perfect. And you were sitting on the motorcycle with a ridiculous windshield and a ridiculous fiberglass fairing, and it was all painted the same color, bass boat gold as the bike was. And somebody spent a ton of money on this thing to make it the perfect touring motorcycle. Wow. 500 cc's. Yeah,
0: 500 cc's. What was the max speed with all that stuff stuffed on it? Seven. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was both in kilometers and miles per hour. The right. uh, I don't know. I mean, CB 500s were never particularly fast bikes. They didn't have a surplus of power, and just like the CB 400F Supersport, it wasn't so much how fast they went; it was how smooth they were and how high they revved and everything else. But like, and the sound they made. Yeah, and it's and it's like to <laughs> ride a CB 400F you have to become tiny and small and part of the bike and to ride a CD 500 F you have to become tiny and small and part of the bike. And the opposite of that is putting a giant plexiglass windshield in front of you <laughs> and a giant backrest with like some scroll work in it and shit and big ass plastic, white plastic bags that came from who knows who, you know, showy or Buco or Fulmer or somebody else that built helmets for a week and a half. Um, that's where all that shit came from. And it all came out of a, a J.C. Whitney catalog, probably, yeah. you know? So yeah, old bikes and stuff, like what our ancestors were putting together in 1972, you couldn't go buy a gold wing. What, uh, what are Seven fifties were really expensive.
0: What, uh, how much does one of those wind jammers weigh? You think? Cause that's thick fiberglass, right? It's like really it's heavy. heavy. Yeah. And they're probably super
1: heavy. Pounds. Yeah. Yeah. They're really heavy. So, um, I have
4: a couple up in the attic, but I don't feel like going up and
2: getting one.
1: No, me either. I've got a few out in the garage. Like there's I had, no I had
2: one on my uh my 74 CB seven fifty, and I know the it had a metal bracket that it mounted to. That was attached to the frame with four hose clamps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah. Right. That's, that's factory spec too. Yeah. It right? is.
1: Yeah. And it's and it's literally it's radiator worm clamps times four. And um I've bought BMWs that had BMW factory fairings on them from the early 70s, and that's how they were attached to the motorcycle. So that's just, that's what you did then. That was it.
0: Oh, motherfucker. Oh, what'd you do, Steve? There. How
3: oh, would there you go.
1: know about that? There you go. Look at that. So what's oh, yeah. that worth? So that's going to cost <laughs> us 150 bucks. Wow. Now, now, the upside is it only costs $700 to ship it.
0: Right, right, right. right. Wait, where did the yeah. rest of this shit go? Oh, here we go.
2: There they yeah. are. All right, here's a, here's a pro tip. A Windjammer yeah. fairing should be free. Yes, it should be free. Yeah. Never, never pay money for a Windjammer fairing. Look
1: and at the size of this thing. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. and that's,
2: that's a CB900.
1: It's not a small bike in and of itself. Right. And that was, you know, that's color matched. And the thing with that is even if, like, if you've ever been a Prince enthusiast, and you've seen Prince's motorcycle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You'll know, you see that that is a very, very tiny motorcycle and a very giant fairing. And that's the smallest one they made. Uh-huh. And this is a funny thing because, you know, I've met Craig Vetter and I'm friends with his uh, son, Morgan. And I love their whole thing. And I'd love to go to their place and look mm-hmm. at all of that prototype stuff that they have hanging out there because I grew up with it and I remember all of it. But by the same token, it is the number one item that magically falls off of every old motorcycle I buy. And, you know, they clearly did a great job in the industry. There's some magic that they've done with aerodynamics, but it is not everyone's cup of tea. I've got a bunch of them. And, you know, John, which one were you talking about? Was it the Liberator that had the trunk in the front of it? Oh, that, that's a Bates bearing that
4: I have. Is that a Bates bearing? It has double headlights and a trunk in the front. In the front. And so it's got a it's front. It's called the, it's right. called the Bates, Bates Clipper.
1: The Clipper. Okay, there you go.
4: And yeah, those wind jammers Bates and all Clippers. of them.
1: Yeah. Those things are, are fantastic. And I bought a KZ900 years ago that had a color-matched chocolate brown wind jammer on it that had... Every known electrical accessory that existed in the early 70s in this motorcycle. And it took me 15 hours to take all that off. All right. Wow. Is that the Prince Tribute bike? Yep. It is. Wow.
2: Here's the thing though. Here's the thing though, is I don't think the I don't think the 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 fairing on Prince's bike was a windjammer. I think it was a like a knockoff. Oh, like really? custom one? Yeah. Pull that up again. My God, it looked windjammery to me. Here, hold on. Well, I don't know if that's the actual motorcycle. Here, but if I you bring up the was... album, code, it yeah, has... It. Here
0: you go. I got it. Just one second here. Here comes the album cover. Here. There it is.
1: It, that's a windjammer.
2: It's the smallest windjammer.
0: With that big W right there? Look at that thing. That's crazy looking.
2: Yeah, that is like... You know, what's the windjammer look like? Because that's a windjammer... Well, I mean... I had a Windjammer three, which was before it had the the black. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, there's a W on that one. So if you take a look at that, that's got a W too. And it's you know the the biggest tell about how small it is is the fact that the head the turn signals are popsicles and they're not incorporated into it. Right. Which right. Is with a with a Windjammer, a larger sized Windjammer, turn board. signals were always incorporated into it. But yeah. I do believe that is a windjammer fairing. I don't. I can't, I'm not going to quote you the model number or anything, but it's got all the hallmarks of a windjammer. Like take away the, the Honda headlight and put it into the windjammer itself. Yeah, it's kind of. It's got the look of it. But yeah, so it'd be interesting to see the. Uh, yeah, and oh, that's, that's a Hawk-O-Matic. Yeah, so that's Hawk-o- a matic. Oh, yeah.
6: Oh no! Utter motorcycle fairing. Chris wasn't okay.
1: big on shifting.
0: K U T T E R motorcycle. Oh, no, it's a cutter motorcycle. Is a cutter? Yeah, right here.
1: Kutar. A cutter? Yeah. Is it a windjammer cutter or is it a cutter cutter?
0: Anyways, down the drive on Comstar Wheels, the bike sported some pretty cool styling with a cutter motorcycle fairing accented by its mo- massive windshield, most likely used to protect Prince's marvelous locks. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Hold on, it's a cutter. I,
2: motor- I don't think there was such a thing as a windjammer cutter. I don't know either. Yeah. No, oh, I have I no know know idea. But- that's- I know uh, Windjammer also made a quicksilver which was even smaller than the Windjammer. Absolutely. They had the light. I bought a That's the base, a quicksilver. base clipper that I'm
4: holding
1: up there. Jesus. Oh wow.
2: That is That's something nice. else. Oh, That's
1: brilliant.
7: Can you make me a scale one to fit my C S five?
0: Okay, well, I can I can give you one. <laughs> and you yeah. can make it fit. Prince is, is a, it's a Howe, H-O-W-E, wind cutter. So it's a yeah. Howe wind cutter, M-K-4, seven hole.
1: It was, it was once described, the Howe wind cutter with a K, uh, wind cutter, Mark IV, etc 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 was called a direct and blatant ripoff of the Windjammer 3. Mm. <laughs> so, Nick,
2: right.
3: Yeah, Nick nailed well,
2: it. Nick absolutely nailed it. Yep, I know. I know a windjammer three when I see one.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> I
1: knew. I knew John F. Kennedy and you, sir. I know windjammer three. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Good job.
0: So, Dan, did you get a new truck? Or- Speaking of purple bikes,
7: no, uh, still without a vehicle.
0: Good man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I forgot to ask: Do the podcast viewers on the YouTube's get to see all um, eight windows? Yeah, hopefully. Okay, good. <laughs> that will be a lot more interesting than if they only get to see the the one that's highlighted. One, by yeah, person. It's,
0: it's highlighting random stuff. Like at one point, Nick was scratching his ear, and he was highlighted. I don't know why. Oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> yeah, see. I can't tell whether it's it's obviously audio, but there's a distinct delay.
7: Oh yeah,
3: yeah, yeah so definitely. What,
7: what are we gonna talk about, Chris's green Janus?
3: <laughs> oh no! Chris's green anus? Yeah.
6: Well, I got I gotta log off, guys. See oh, you guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm getting out of the anus talk.
1: <laughs> oh, <my
0: God>. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar. Oscar hits us and leaves first time in like. Did, um, in did
1: Chris? I did you did you
8: procure a Janus? No, no, not yet. Okay, not all right. Yeah. Yeah. Just a temptation. It's still just a temptation, yeah. Yeah. That's that makes sense. <laughs> uh oh, there's the B. Yep, I, ha-
1: I haven't bought I haven't bought any motorcycles to like add to the anything. I just haven't found anything I like right now. And the used market is so volatile, the prices are so high. There's nothing right now that I'm like, I really want to lay my hands on a bike. Um, there's nothing I've seen that is, is that I'm interested in. I drove all the way across America, up and down, and the way back. I mean, I made I made a triangle out of America, and I didn't find a single motorcycle I wanted to buy. And I checked in Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace in all of those cities I was going into, and I couldn't find a bike that I was kind of interested in buying.
8: Wow! Aren't you looking for a yellow Honda?
1: F6B, yeah. So I kind of like have kind of always been watching. I've got all my Facebook marketplace settings and Craigslist settings and eBay settings set up for a yellow F6B uh, in particular. And it's funny because that is a very strange thing. The ones that I have found that are in my price point have astonishing miles, or they kind of have a questionable history. Like there's something just not right with that bike. And The auctions that I used to attend uh, pre-COVID, back in the before times, that would have a single auction that would have 2,000 or 3,000 bikes in it is now like advertising big news. We've got 200 bikes in this week's auction or this month's auction. And 200 bikes is like literally like two rows of bikes. When I'm used to going there and there being 16 rows or 18 rows of bikes. When, so. do you
0: think, when do you think the, the COVID Harley explosion is going to happen?
1: I don't know, because we, we were joking on the podcast a while ago about like, oh, Sturgis equals explosion. Right. And, and the numbers didn't really bear that out. So it was like, oh, Sturgis, and then like one guy in Minneapolis dies who was at Sturgis. But then Sturgis area that had very, very few cases prior to the event. Exploring. All of a sudden now is like fucking off the charts. Like, I didn't know there were that many motherfuckers in South Dakota to have the disease, let alone now looking at their numbers on something like worldometers, where it tracks, you know, the numbers of people that have it. And it's like, fuck, man, that's a lot of people who live there in the service industry that a month later are showing, you know, not so great,
8: you know. Oh, and they only have 12 ICU beds in the whole state. So that's a problem.
1: I'm sure they're they're sharing the only respirator they have with North Dakota. And it's probably on loan from Canada so
4: (laughs) yeah one of the things i heard on the radio this morning was that they're saying that a lot of the instances like the worst thing that's happening is when people get together for like a social gathering so it's not necessarily when you go to the store or when you go to work and stuff like that it's when you invite you know 40 some people over to your house and have this little soiree and then next thing you know That's when a lot of people are really getting it because you think you've got, you know, oh, we don't have to worry about it. None of us have it. We'll be fine. The family reunion, the. They end up with
8: COVID and chlamydia.
3: (laughs) 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 Well, and
1: that's the thing is, you know, right now there's a lot of. With the motorcycle events and all the stuff that I like to do at this time of the year, this is really a big time for me with the, the stuff that I like to do and the types of trips that I like to have. And it's not, it's a really, really bad thing to have. Um, When John and I went to Portland last year and we were in the tent watching the flat track. So what was that like go fast, turn left, that uh, flat track thing that we saw. And that flat track thing was in a tent that was on the back of uh, a bar, a restaurant. And it was really cool, except for the fact that in this world, there would be a disaster because you have people in there from all over America. And we're all doing the same thing. We're all eating, we're drinking and we're bullshitting and we're bullshitting and the audio's up here. So we're like fighting to have our bullshit be heard. And we're, we're, we're spraying at each other. And that kind of a thing is the exact what you don't want to be doing. You know, don't go to yodeling practice. That's a bad idea. Don't go to the yodeling tournament. Uh, don't go to choir practice don't project and and, you know go to your shakespeare in the round festival
0: to your point idea there's a website out there i think it's like a risk success risk assessment Uh you enter your activity or you pick your activity and it tells you from like a one to a hundred rating of how risky it is okay motorcycling with a full face helmet on is a risk of like two you know yeah or one Right. right but like uh, playing football with four of your buddies in the park is like a 20, you know, yeah. this goes from there. And it's, it's, and they were, they were exactly right. It got to like family, family gatherings of not immediate family. It was like 95. It was like yes. very, you know, bad. So
1: whatever. And, what about and Carly football? Davidson orgy is probably pretty high up there. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: yeah.
4: I mean, Piper, uh, you know, her, the kid right next to her got the COVID. So they canceled mm-hmm. school. So she's going to to go virtual and then we've kept her home from swim practice and a bunch of other things just because we want to, you know, break the link in right. case she does have it or in case we do end up with it. So,
1: yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really, really hard thing. I, I feel terrible for you guys that have kids that are school age kids and you know, that's, that's, that's the real hardship. Cause for us at the shop, as long as we can keep the doors closed and it's just, you know, the four of us kind of coming and going and staying the fuck away from each other, which we tend to do anyway, because we see each other every day. Um, it's, it's really tough for us to look at that. We're vicious at the shop. If you want to get into my building, it takes some serious vetting. Like You got to call me, make an appointment and describe the color of the bikes that we have on our website, like like in great detail. Like, you've got to show me that you're not just some punter who wants to come in and spend an hour or two out of the rain. Uh, it's crazy hard to get into my shop right now. So, it's tough. So, sometimes a lot of people out in the parking lot, they're like, oh, I just want to come in and look around. And we're like, no, we're not doing that this year or whatever. And then if somebody we know comes in, uh, Chris brought a guy in the other day. And Chris had brought this, you know, his new buddy in. Just nine seconds after I had told some people, I'm sorry, the showroom is closed. We're not letting anybody in. Go to our website. We have all of our bikes on the website. We have all of our inventory on the website. Determine what motorcycles you want or you want to see and compare and then contact us for an appointment. We'll give you an appointment and then you can come in. So they were still sitting in the car when Chris showed up with his buddy on a Triumph and I was like, oh, come on in, <laughs> you know, put your mask on and come into the shop. And,
0: yeah. There you, you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. We weren't that obvious, but it was one of those things that was like, "Oh man, I just I just told those people to go fuck off." Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's true cuz there are like qualified buyers and then there are people that are just bored and looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. And it's really tough. Oh, you're right next to the bus stop, too. The bus stop is literally in our front parking lot, so <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and that hasn't been the problem that you think it would. I think we established ourselves pretty early on as being that way. But except I'm not. The other
4: night, except the other night when the fucking lady asked me for a light, and oh, I go over there and I give her a light, and I walk away, and I listen to her coughing her guts out. I'm like, oh, that's how your daughter got
1: COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. That's, we, we all said you probably got. That was the night of the double sanitized
3: talk. after that.
1: Yeah, she coughed all she coughed all that COVID all over your lighter. Yeah, uh,
0: I like this is this is, uh, this is Phil telling this guy he's got to wear a mask and then that's, that's the guy saying fuck you, fuck
1: you. Yeah. Um, we take it we take it pretty seriously it's, it's because you know it, t- it takes nothing to shut us down so if James get it or Renee gets it or I gets it we're done doors locked we're fucked you know turn off the machine we're done go, you know everyone else could just go fuck off because we're done we're closed Uh, and we don't want to be closed. We're not, you know, I'd I'd love to be closed like one second after we sell our last Christmas scooter, you know, our last Christmas Vespa, our last Christmas zero. Um, one second after that's done and we know that sale's complete and we can get it delivered to the customer. Then that's fine. We can pretend somebody's got COVID or maybe, you know, if they have to, then we can shut down until early March, right? But now we, we need every single fucking sale, you know, because next year is going to be, this year's the year when all the dealers are running out of bikes. Next year's the year when nobody has any fucking money. You know?
0: And, and I, um, I came home the other day and I never go down Mayfield Road, you know, to get home. And there's all these like little shops on the left and right usually, 90% of them are gone. Like yeah. already, like there's, it's, it's all for rent all the way down on both sides of Mayfield, all the big, that big play place. I mean, it's, it's getting hit hard, man. It's Great. not,
1: it's a, I mean, payroll protection program ran out on, I think, September 1st. So, um, a lot of companies that got giant checks from the government on September 1st, they kind of went, mm, and we we've kept you around long enough to justify the giant check we got. So now you guys can go fuck off and we're done, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's hit us real hard because all summer long we couldn't get bikes fast enough to sell them. And then what happened is in September and October, our sales have dropped to nothing because reality has set in that this isn't going to be over November 3rd. You know, this is actually a thing and it's real. And a lot of people that got laid off or furloughed might not be going back to work again. So we had that
4: conversation at work today. I mean, there are people who have been off since roughly you know I don't know whenever they had the original shutdowns,
3: yeah
4: and they've been on paid administrative leave yeah they're not working from home they're just home getting paid just home yeah and, and that can't happen for very much longer and so there's there's going to be a reckoning here soon
1: <laughs> I agree
3: yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one for all of us
1: the uh and, and so we think that next year is going to be like Nobody's going to have any disposable income to buy silly stuff like motorcycles and boats and jet skis and campers and shit. Um, And a lot of people are going to fall off um, unemployment status. And a lot of people are going to really, really have to go through some struggle next year. So we're worried about that. Plus our sports and our industry, like the motorcycle thing as an industry is taking a giant hit. When you don't have uh, the giant motorcycle shows, when you don't have stuff like that, I think uh, I don't know, but I think Sturgis may have been a cautionary tale. Um, we know that somebody was talking about, oh, we're going to move AMA Vintage Days to October. Well, no that that was never on the that was never going to happen. But we know that the AIM Expo, which is normally in late September, that's that's fucked off. You know that that ain't that's not happening.
3: So yeah, it's so with really-
4: Sturgis. I mean, I read, I was reading articles where they were you know. You go into a bar and they were having sneezing contests. Just to freak the people out who did you know, if (laughs) you were wearing a mask, they'd start having a sneezing contest near you.
1: Yeah, it's just like it's just like, oh, oh, look at you, you're the guy with the mask on. So now we're gonna put all of our hatred and all of our energy towards you to try to make you feel uncomfortable and exert our force over you because we interpret any sign of responsibility or social you know dignity as being weakness and so now we're going to sneeze on you you know that kind of a thing you're like oh jesus christ you know there's like far away from that as possible
0: yeah there's like third graders going crow up
1: (laughs) 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 i'm busting out the cootie spray man i got the little button drawn on my desk you know i can put up a cootie shield if i have to
3: yeah Wow. That's,
1: and that's, a, that's a, a kooky thing. When you think about motorcycle racing, when you think about power sports in general, it's really, really tough to, to imagine all that stuff when you take the fans away, when you take you know the spectators away from it. Because then it's just like, wow, you have to have a ton of money to be able to run that and, and weigh those risks. Because if somebody gets ill or somebody gets sick and you have to shut that all down, well, the money you spent to get there is all still gone. You're not getting any of that back yeah so it's very very challenging right now and we see it on our end our manufacturers didn't spend all of 2020 thinking up the greatest newest latest invention to bust out in 2021 to be like okay this is going to kick us out of this doldrums this is going to bring us out the stuff that's coming out for 2021 is not epic it's not like you know we're lucky if what we're seeing from 2021 is even a slight color change from the 2020. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if this is the year that you're expecting something giant to happen, all that R and D time, that's usually a year or two ahead of thing. A lot of people aren't really sure they want to bust that stuff out because there's no real show circuit or thing to give it the kind of press and publicity it deserves.
2: Yeah. Well, tell that to Honda. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, the, new, the new Grom and the
1: supposedly the Hunter Cub. So the Grom and the Hunter Cub, but again, we we talked about the Hunter Cub two years ago when we yeah. said that there. We said you can't do a Super Cub and you can't do a Monkey Bike without doing a, a yep. CT one ten.
3: Right.
1: Right. And so I think that was a I think that was a snowball that started rolling three or four years ago.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the Grom is literally the Grom is a five speed. Well done, but. Remember too that that's also the grom's how many years old now? Anyone? Four or five? Yeah, yeah, so the grom has been around a little bit, so but what we're not seeing from Honda is we're not seeing like a new interceptor. We're not seeing a new um yeah, there you go. Wow, look at that. Oh yeah, holy smokes! I need that, damn, look at that. <laughs> And all that being said, it still looks too small.
0: Yeah, I do like the BMW-looking tank now, though. Like-
1: I did find out where they got their exhaust for that, and it's right here in this box that says "Turbo Smoke." <laughs> it's right here. This is the exhaust for the ground. Perfect. That's the one. That's what they used as a as a inspiration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's a very interesting thing because I don't blame in these motorcycle companies. Nobody could have seen this explosion of sales and personal satisfaction products because people aren't going to Italy and they're not going to England and they're not going out of America because we are not allowed to. Um, even the Canadians and Mexicans don't want us. And I, I think that's interesting. I think that next year, I want to, I'm curious to see what's going to happen next year. So yeah, because, you if you know, take away the disposable income, what happens?
0: Right. And a lot of people, I think you also, besides disposable income, people canceled their vacations.
1: Oh, hell yes.
0: All the vacations getting canceled. A lot of, I know, families that split it up. Like dad got to buy something. Mom got to buy something. Yeah, and the kids got $20 gift certificates to like Best Buy. And they were stoked, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the uh,
1: I. It's a very strange market right now. Because
0: I don't Huh?
1: Go ahead.
4: Bruce had a $5,000 deposit on his family vacation, and luckily he bought insurance, so he was able to get Uh paid back. Uh That's good. Because his daughter got COVID.
1: That's smart. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, When did his daughter get COVID?
4: That was that's probably a couple months ago. And as far as I know... It was her and the husband, the husband I think got it first oh okay, but nope. uh, yeah, and for the most part, relatively mild symptoms and everything, and it didn't spread any further than that
1: yeah i it it is a it's a very tough thing when you when you think about that stuff, like when you take away my ability to go to porco and drink. All of a sudden, I have an extra three hundred dollars every two weeks.
3: You know,
1: and six hundred dollars a week can pay for a lot of motorcycle. Oh yeah. Uh, And Peggy and and I actually
4: happened to be. We took a drive. We took a little drive in the Corvette, and we went past Griffin Cider House real slow. mm -hmm. And we we were at five o'clock, right when they opened. There was nobody in there. She's like, let's go in. Yeah. I'm like, okay, if you want to go in, let's go in. Okay. And meanwhile, yeah. you know, four martinis and a, a gin drink and I, however many I had, you know, it was an $87 <laughs> bill for a quick little stop. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah. it, it was yeah. that, it, it was beautiful. It was something that she, I think, really needed at the time.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: And, uh, you know, we, we got in, we got out. It was just us and the bartender. We had the place all to ourselves. So,
3: yeah.
1: And that's great. I mean, when you can have that experience, like I said, I, I did that at the undertow in Phoenix, having the spot to myself and being able to do that, get that level of service in the high end cocktails, because I mean, I, I look, I can pour myself a fucking drink, but it sucks. And when I when I'm dealing with a trained professional who knows how to make a drink, I'll pay, I'll pay a premium for that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's very cool. Would you guys like to hear any of our Patreon listeners' uh, messages regarding our 300th uh, anniversary? Or 300th oh, or so? yeah, sure. I would love to. All right. Okay, so here we go. This is Ben Big, and Ben Big has been a very good supporter for us for a long time and has sent us messages. And well done, Ben Big. Uh, ben Big says, congratulations on 300 podcasts. I have listened to every single one of them, including the Lost 93 before they were lost. <laughs> you guys are the best. Between the, between the drinks and the creative insults, uh, some bike news, a ton of bike and life knowledge, I always look forward to listening. With Steve Sleepy taking over the sound, quality is 1,000 times better. Uh, thank wow. you, Sleepy. Okay, shit, dicks. Okay, shit dicks, not to blow you, but you are—you all are what makes this podcast great. With your humble narrator, Phil, steering the ship, this is only—this is the only podcast that I Patreon to. I can only donate to one, and this shit show is gladly it. Now go fuck your hat. <laughs> so, I will gladly go so fuck
4: my hat for you, my
0: friend. We let him sew down with this 300th
1: episode. Damn you, COVID. <laughs> damn you. and that's true and really I think actually this is probably this is cool this is sublime that the 300th podcast is uh, uh, an example of the fucked up weird narrative that we've had because we did zoom casts and then we we, then we felt safe and then we came out and we did John's going to burn something Uh, then we did our in person casts Ah! <laughs> it's off camera, John. <laughs> oh
3: fuck! What
1: the
4: hell! Uh, I fucked up. I threw it in my full beer. I thought it was
1: an empty bottle. Oh, oh no! <laughs> if that would have blown up, you'd have a glass buster.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: we used to call those wish. something chasers. Yeah. Uh. We had
4: well, a word for those. There's still some say. beer left in it. Oh, man. You definitely <laughs> dropped it in there. <laughs> Shit. I fucked up.
0: Dan, uh, what are you drinking? Are you drinking no. one of your $6,000 bottles of rum over there? or, uh, rye or? I actually just
7: grabbed the uh, the Rosebank, probably the most expensive bottle of scotch that I had. Ooh. Hmm. Nice. The uh, You know
1: what, guys?
2: Uh, I'm I'm proud of all, all of us, really, because we, we started out with a Zoom cast and we moved to in person podcasts and then we went back to the Zoom cast now and that I know of, none of us have actually gotten COVID. What's oh. Well, <laughs> other than you. I didn't get COVID from
1: here. No. I I mean very early in the game. It was probably because of the zero training. Uh, That's what we kind of figured out. The timeline all worked out that it was with zero. And fortunately, it was very mild and very, very, very chill and very controllable. But I don't believe that I'm at all remotely immune to it. I I don't think for a second that anything about what I had is going to protect me, especially with everything that I've seen research wise that. Um, you can get it again and it can be really fucking bad the second time you get it. So Whoa, it, yeah, I'm not playing I'm not playing around, you know, I'm not running around with no mask. on being a dick. So the, uh, you're just being a dick. <laughs> generally speaking, just being a dick. The, uh, for, for real, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting thing that, you know, yeah. Us coming back to zoom again is it's weird. You
2: know? But I mean, it it also goes to show that we we've been taking this seriously. We we have been being cautious, and we've been taking all the necessary steps. So it's not like we're we're being reckless, right? Well, that's look at true. even
0: even Sunday. Like we were, you know, we were riding, and we were going to meet Hoff at a bar. Not a bar, but like yeah. a, a place to get a beer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a one, and, and we all just were like, nope, that's a COVID chamber. There was they did know social, yep. no anything. So we ended up going to Market Garden and got a spot out outside in the corner, all by ourselves, like in this corner. And it was fine. Like at that point, it was just the same three guys, you know.
7: And I it is, there. and that's,
1: and, and I think that's that's smart. And being smart about this, um, if it can keep idiots like us from being sick and ruining our lives, that's that's something, you know.
3: Yep.
1: Uh, I mean, that's that that's really um, that's really saying something because I know that. We want to do that. I mean, that's what I want to do. I, I want to play games. I want to go out and have fun, ride motorcycles, and, and all that shit. Um, John can't keep his hands off of Oscar, so it's it's cramping his style, you know.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, Oscar's on probably on a Zoom call right now with his girlfriend. So yeah, yeah, that's the only reason he would leave so quickly. You know, the it's uh, a
4: different kind of call. <laughs> That's a (laughs) a (laughs) winker.
1: If he accidentally changes the camera right now, it could be really interesting. Oh, that'd be nasty.
4: (laughs) Oh, it'd be like that that news guy on CNN. They cut back after his lunch break, and he's whacking one off. (sighs) Was that on? You heard about that, right?
0: No, that was on uh, on C-SPAN.
4: Okay. Oh, sorry, different C.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. C-SPAN.
4: It's like, they come they, back, they're like, they're, they're supposedly on a break, and then like the they're like, oh, okay. Then the screen the tilts down, and he's fucking chuffing one off. <laughs> I mean, that's embarrassing.
0: Yeah, but I mean, how, who leaves yeah. their camera on? You know, like, if you're going to be flapping <laughs> the dog, put a piece of tape over that thing, man, just in case. Well, that's only the half of the
4: horrible i mean the one thing that i saw was a you know a seventh grader who was supposed to be on break and then next thing you know uh that 19 year old guy who's been abusing her for the last year comes in the room and you know starts making her give him oral while all the fucking kids are watching and it's like you know the teacher's like turn off your cameras everybody turn off your cameras call the cops you know it's just fucking awful where was that where was that that was, uh, I mean, that, that was a couple weeks ago couple I read a news article about that.
6: How did I not they arrested, that? I mean, they arrested
4: the guy and everything. Oh. So it's like,
6: fuck.
3: Yeah, I mean,
4: that's crazy. I mean, what do you need? I mean, that's prima facie evidence. Yeah. Fucking
8: run the guy through a tree chipper and let's be done with it.
0: Yeah, that deserves that. Definitely 100%. Hey,
8: I'm cashing out here, guys. You guys have a good finish up oh. on the 300. Yeah. Adios.
0: Hey, you're not going to give there us a fucking go.
8: joke. What's the problem? I know what the hell, man. Come on.
0: Oh, he's gone.
1: He's gone. And boy oh. that built out of that quick. Yeah.
0: Man, we had such good plans for this. <laughs> uh. Well, exactly.
1: And that's and that's really, I mean, and that's uh, the hey. that's sort of the analog for the entire
2: 2020 uh, season. No. But this so people- 301 is going to be awesome. Well,
0: maybe not three hundred one. Probably three, three hundred <laughs> twenty-five
2: is going to be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we were going to burn down. Does that anybody out.
4: have any? Does anybody have any interest in doing the shoot and scoot this year at Bruce's house?
0: Yeah, I you would like to. I reply. Yeah, yeah. Number, yeah. Um, well,
1: that's yeah. I've I've, I've got seven. kind of I've got an interest in doing that, so I'm I'm kind of on board with that. The, uh, so, you know, we'll see weather, weather permitting, right? Because that's a Saturday-Sunday thing for me.
2: Yeah. yeah. Rain or but, uh, that's next weekend, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah,
4: Not this weekend, but, yeah, I mean, that would be next Saturday, Sunday.
1: Um, other Patreon questions. Yep. Uh, Dave Hutchinson asks, he's got, I got a question for the podcast. With zero on board, do you think that Polaris would eventually make snow bikes Would that be a more efficient powertrain for electric? That'd be sick. Somebody needs to pull up, or Steve Steve can pull up a picture of a Chrysler snow bike. So it was called a snow runner. It was available in the 70s. And these things were, I think, available in any color of orange that you wanted. And it was a small two-stroke. I think a Carter manufactured the engine. And it was a single track, so it had a ski in the front and it had a track in the back. But the track was only about six inches wide. I've owned uh, one and a half of these over the years, and the Snow Runner. There you go, and that's a Snow Runner. That's a real thing uh, 1980, 78, 79, 80 Chrysler Snow Runner.
3: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah,
1: despite as insanely bad as wow. it looks, that's different. Okay, that's the Snow Job. Oh my God. Yeah. So the snow runner is a real thing. And, uh, and that was a thing that existed. Now, here's what I can tell you about a snow runner is I had a snow runner that I had dialed in, it was running perfectly. And it was very bad. I mean, it did not move you along like you wanted it to. The uh, it, it, uh-huh. it, it didn't have any balls, it had to be just the right snow conditions. Otherwise, it would just dig a trench in the snow. So if the snow was too light and fluffy, it would just dig a trench and dig in, and it wouldn't go anywhere. A lot of times you had to help it along with your feet, that kind of thing. But I've never really had a ride on a snow runner that was fucking epic.
4: Now, that being said. That's why you need a timber bike.
1: Yeah, and there are some dirt bike conversions where they have a track on the back and a ski on the front that work very fucking well. And we've seen that. And the Uh Yamaha BW350 is notoriously a good snow machine. You know, and this is a, a good example here that Steve's pulled up of just brilliant off-road performance. And these things do so well in the snow, timber sleds, and they're fantastic. But
2: also look at how big that track is. How, how big that track has to be?
3: Huge. Oh yeah, it is
1: gigantic. Yeah. But here's what I will say about using a zero powertrain: is the shittiest zero powertrain that exists. Is eighty foot pounds of torque, and like hundred times more torque. Or eighty pounds yeah. feet of torque, right? Okay. So it's eighty pounds feet of torque on their shittiest powertrain, their their smallest powertrain, and that bike that you just had a picture of is like thirteen pounds feet of torque mm-hmm. or eighteen pounds feet of torque. That That's snow runner sort of was like
7: thing two. As being like more like one of the old stand up uh, wave runners.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
7: you know if they made it a little bigger,
1: yep, and wider. And, and one of the magical things about electric is at one rpm or 10,000 rpm it's the same power and that's where in water and in snow it's going to be magical because the biggest problem with you know with water is choosing the correct impeller or propeller for your motor speed and with snow the biggest problem is not either spinning out and and not having an effective interface with the snow or not having enough torque to push the thing through the snow because snow is kind of hard to get going on. So I think electric is probably the perfect answer as opposed to a gasoline engine that has a a sweet spot in the power band between like 3,500 and 8,500 RPM or even smaller. So electric is perfect for that shit.
0: And they should definitely fucking make one of these. You ever seen this thing? Hold on. Mm-hmm. That. The DTX Shatter? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a killer electric thing. Look yeah, that's,
1: that's a zombie apocalypse Segway. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cool, though. These guys take them off-road, Brad. I bet you Zero could shove a powertrain in one of those. And be
1: of great. course, because the Zero, like what people forget is that the Zero powertrain, so the, the, the motor that's in an FX or an FXS, the motor that's in there is smaller than a bowling ball. Mm-hmm. And if you think that it's smaller than a bowling ball and gives you 80 pounds feet of torque, that's amazing. You know, that you can get that kind of power out of something that's smaller than a bowling ball. Mm-hmm. And that's more power than was in a Volkswagen. So if you can think about like, a, you know, a 1500 CC Volkswagen engine or 1300 CC Volkswagen engine, this thing that's the size of a bowling ball gives you more power than that. And the batteries to run it can be as small as a toaster. So, you know, we can all visually picture what size a toaster is. And it weighs under, this battery weighs less than 40 pounds. And then the motor being a cylinder that is relatively the size of a bowling ball. And that's going to give you 80 pounds feet of torque. Uh, Shit, man, bring it on. What do you got? You know, you got an electric wheelbarrow? We can do that. You know, make that happen.
0: It's funny you know. that you mentioned like foot pounds of torque and horsepower and all that. So with my new bike, I was kind of checking out the specs and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's cool, whatever. And so I had this car issue and I had to get a car. So I got this Hyundai Accent, whatever. And I'm looking at the specs and I'm like, my motorcycle has more horsepower than this car does. <laughs> but it's still quite peppy for, for what it is. But seriously, like my, the 450-pound the motorcycle – has 119 horsepower, and the Honda Accent has 120. I thought that was pretty cool.
4: That's very fucking cool. That's a nice blend of horsepower to weight ratio right there, my friend. Yes, it is.
1: That is an excellent blend of horsepower to weight ratio. And, you know, the more that you dig into that kind of shit, the more you get into stuff, you realize that the electric motors, why, they got a serious advantage. I, uh, I ride them a lot, and I'm pretty used to them. But that being said, I have people come into the shop all the time that just are freaked the fuck out by how much power there is in such a small lightweight vehicle, and it is it's pretty it's pretty fucking awesome. And
0: since you've been selling them, have you had um, a guy come in like completely like uninterested and whatever, but just kind of had the hype, then rides it and
1: like they, they blow their pants apart and they're just like, I need this. Yeah, absolutely. And we've we've had people come in that. Um, that came in sort of on a like on a fuck you like you know what i got a harley i got a i got an rm uh you know i got an rm 250 suzuki dirt bike from 19 you know 80 giggity whatever yeah and it's a two stroke so fuck you and i know what torque feels like or whatever and then they jump on electric and they jump on something as mundane as like an fx you know they jump on an fx or an fxs and when they leave, I'm like, don't put it in sport mode until you've ridden it for 10 or 15 minutes because the tire needs to warm up. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, the, the tire needs to be up to the job of taking on 80, foot, 80 pounds feet of torque with your dumb 200 pound ass on it. Right. And they're like, yeah, whatever, bullshit. And then they come back and they're like, this this thing's insane. This is, This is fucking crazy. And the crazy only goes up from there. That's entry level crazy. That's, that's $10,000 worth of crazy. And then everything goes up. So it's a, it's a very strange market right now because it's changing what people's interpretation of speed is, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's probably good because for a long time making speed was like this balancing act that you did. Um, You know, you didn't come by it easy. It, It wasn't, you didn't have speed here and speed here and speed here all at the same time. You had to decide where the speed and the right. power was yeah. going to be. Yep. You didn't get it across the whole spectrum. Right. And now you can have it across the whole spectrum.
0: It's great.
7: You know, zero really needs to make a small bank, something the size of the, like the Benelli One Thirty
1: Five TNT. Yeah. And that's where they had, like they had the Grom Reaper yeah. and like the Grom Reaper was a grim, a Grom, but it had an 80 pounds feet of torque zero motor in it. Yeah. So it was the correct size of the ground, and it had a zero point, battery. It a yeah, at that, it's just fucking mental. I know. So Some people right. might buy those. Yeah, and yeah. there are people that there there are other companies out there right now that are selling you half of a zero, like half of the horsepower, half of the range, half of the everything, and half of the price. The problem is right now you have to go. Okay, well it. When the conditions are right and it's the right time of the year, I can own a brand new zero for about nine grand, or I can own the Chinese zero replica for about five. And that's where it gets into that economy of scale thing where you go, do I want to have the Chinese replica of a zero at five, with no support and no dealers and no parts and no nothing? Or do I want to go for the zero at nine or maybe pick up a used zero for six? Or five and deal with that. It's a weird market. I mean, that's that's a tough one. And and you know what's
0: funny is I was I was I was reading a thing recently and this guy was talking about he he's done with zero now because he's had two of them and he's burned through them and they take, yeah oh yeah they, they've according to him they take too long yeah. to charge or not fast enough and now he's on to and the one that the, I can't say it the one that you wrote. energica energica yeah so he's on to the energicas and he's kind of dogging zeros which is like. That's kind of cool because that means we've been in the electric game long enough now yeah. that now you're getting like team – it's like Ford and Chevys and stuff like that. Exactly. It's kind of yeah. neat. People are getting like – Yeah, he, bread
4: did, bread. he didn't go back to a gasoline-powered motorcycle. Yeah. He yeah. went to a better electric motorcycle. Yeah.
0: But that's what kind of charging – so, Philly, you're familiar with both pretty you – know, you you've ridden both and done stuff. What kind of charging does the Energica, or however the hell you say it, have that the zero can't do Energica. it? Energica. Energica. That's it. Thank you.
1: Well done. Uh, so Energica, the, the biggest thing to know about Energica is Energica is an Italian product that's extraordinarily high end. And the people that run Energica basically told me it's like, we don't necessarily want to be zero. We want to be pro gamers only. We don't want this to be for the $10,000 market. We want this to be for that more Ferrari $30,000 mindset. We want you know, we don't want everybody buying this bike. We want qualified operators. We want fetishists. We want people that are in that highest echelon. We're yeah, Italian. they're
4: made. We're Italian for Christ's sakes,
1: <laughs> exactly. And they're made on the SS nine in Modena, Italy, where the the Ferraris are made and the Lamborghinis are made. So, like, even yeah. where their factory is is money, money, money. Zero
2: zero right? so- is the Tesla as. Uh, Energica would be to like whatever that, that that electric porsche is or something like that yeah,
1: yeah. that's that 's exactly what it is. Zero builds a lot of fucking bikes, and of that vast, vast pile of fucking bikes they 're all great i mean they're they 're really really amazing that they pull off as many as they do without having massive problems and Energica is building like a fraction of that, hmm. but it 's that super the the ego and the the eva rebel those are not fucking around bikes like those are bikes that when you get on those things be prepared cuz they are fucking scary fast they're marginally more power than the zero srf and they carry with them instead of a 14.4 battery they carry a battery that's over 20 kilowatts you know over 21 kilowatts wow. so That makes them heavier. It makes them 50 to 100 pounds heavier than the Zero. But the idea being, sure, it's heavier, but this motherfucker has got gobs of power, right? And it's got this long range because these giant batteries. And that's, when you look at Energica, that's their selling strategy. It's the most power. It's the biggest battery. It's the giantest of giants. It's the biggest amount of shit that you can buy in an electric motorcycle. And that's what sells Energica's. It's for people who go, I could have a zero, but I'm different,
3: right? <laughs> but they didn't,
1: they didn't
0: fall for the lightning. So the lightning after this COVID thing and stuff, they have to be pretty much dead at this point. I think the
1: lightning, I think the lightning was one of those things that I think that I can make the statement on my own that 218 miles an hour, one bike, one time, one test that got their name out there. And so a 218 mile an hour electric motorcycle made everybody pay attention. Now you can do that. You can make that happen, but you can't go mass production with that shit. And that's where lightning, in my opinion, based on the ones I've seen fails. The stuff that I've seen from lightning in the past year, I would not pay money for. It is, it is problems waiting to happen. And I wouldn't own it. There's no way I would spend my money on that. Because part of me spending $20,000 is that I need to be able to call somebody who's going to pick up the phone and rescue my dumb ass when I've done something stupid. (laughs) And I don't think I could do that with Lightning. And honestly, like with Energica, Energica in the United States is not a giant company. I've been there. These people are intense and they love it hard, but there's not like, oh, I'm going to put you through to the call center and you know, tech support number 286 is going to help you. Right. No, you're dealing with a guy. You're dealing with a dude. And so Energetica in the United States is very, very, very small. And Zero in the United States has been doing this for well over 10 years. So that's the difference. Like At this point, I hate to say it this way, but buying a Zero is like buying a Toyota right? Buying an Energica is like buying a Ferrari, you know? And buying a lightning is like buying the shit that somebody built in their garage. (laughs) Maybe a supercar and it's one of a kind and they're probably going to test it on top gear, but it's probably going to catch on fire. Right. (laughs) And that's where I would put that. Like you can be the most different guy in the world, but at some point being the most different guy in the world means you can't get stuff. Like right. you can't get what you need, and if your Mister Exotic breaks down, you're super Mister Exotic now. You're you're thirty grands hanging out in the weeds. Good luck, man. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not where I would want to be. So I think that I think that Zero's got it from like the Toyota standpoint.
3: Mm-hmm. They
1: built a metric fuck ton, and also they're DoD approved, which means Department of Defense approves them. Law enforcement agencies approve them. Finance companies will finance that bike for seven fucking years. So that tells you there's a great de- degree of confidence in its bikes holding its value. And it's not just a disposable light, diffuse and runaway kind of thing. You know, um, that's pretty cool. And the fact that you can still get like, you know, if you own a zero today, it's very, very easy to get parts and support for it. So that's, that's a good thing to do if you're in the electric vehicle market, because the worst thing you can do is try to convince somebody who Loves gasoline-powered motorcycles for whatever reason that they need to have an electric motorcycle. Fuck you, you know, you know. I don't need a Prius. I don't want a Prius. That's not what I want. Like to have. Me,
4: me personally, me personally, I right. I love the electric bikes. I've enjoyed every time I've ridden them and everything like that. But I'm not going to spend my money on one. Exactly
3: right. Exactly.
4: If I, you know, if I had, you know, windfall of money and cash fell out of the sky and I could go out and buy a brand new bike, it's not going to be a zero. I mean, not that they're not great bikes, but I'm just not ready for it. And that's just not what I want right now.
1: It's the perfect third or fourth or seventh or ninth motorcycle. If you ask Steve, you know, for oh. Steve, it's like, yeah, you know, Steve loves a zero. Absolutely. He rides a zero all the time
5: it's a good commuter for me, but yeah. you have to have the, the purpose before you have the bike.
1: Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's a, that's a good the, the
4: one. The top two bikes on my list would be either the Africa Twin or like Steve just bought that FCO9.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, you couldn't ask for more than either one of those. I and then Maybe third place would be like a, uh, a Versys for sure mm-hmm. if I had to have one bike.
0: Yeah. I have to admit, like if I had to get rid of all my other bikes, I'd be okay with it. I'd probably be riding this one quite a bit. It's weird when you find a good bike that's comfortable, man. It's it's fun. It's a fun bike.
1: Do you guys remember a while ago, one of our podcast listeners sent us a picture of a topless girl to make us read his uh, message online?
4: Yeah. Yeah, let's see another one. Be <laughs>
1: <He's> back. <laughs> so, uh, so here we go.
4: Oh, and something I want to touch on. Touch. John, once we're done with that, was that uh, new Kawasaki patent?
0: New Kawasaki patent, huh?
4: How do you have fucked up eyebrows? Wait, I want to see Topless. I want to see No, no, go ahead. Do your thing. Let's do our reader.
3: Are you ready? Okay, here it comes.
4: Kawasaki applied. Go, John. What? (laughs) Okay, Kawasaki applied for a patent for a new motor platform so this is going to be a two-stroke supercharged direct-injected dual overhead cam
1: supercharged motor
3: but sorry john
1: there there's no such thing as an overhead cam in a two-stroke motor
4: unless there there is okay so you you look at two-stroke diesel technology and so, a, di- a two-stroke diesel actually has poppet valves. valves with Ooh. overhead cams mm-hmm. and a supercharger. So, it's basically, you're using a supercharger to pack the air-fuel mixture into the cylinder. Valve cl- Intake valve closes. The piston comes up, compresses, fires. The exhaust valve opens it comes that you know halfway down the v- exhaust valve mm-hmm. opens then you start the cycle all over again so it's a two-stroke with valves mm-hmm. so none of the air in- no, no, no. air intake goes through the crankshaft goes through the, the the it goes all through the top end. Right.
5: how would that, even so you think, actually how have that a- work though it seems like you're saying that because of the the uh, over atmosphere it pushes it out
4: yeah, so you have to supercharge it because you have to pack because you don't have transfer ports and the bottom end pressure pushing the into air air fuel mixture into the cylinder. So you have to have a supercharger that pushes the air fuel mixture into the cylinder. Well, at that point, I think it's just then air the intake,
2: going into the cylinder.
4: Well, it's direct injection.
2: Well, for, for the two stroke, uh, whatever Kawasaki patented, I because with the direct injection. Yeah.
4: So right. it's direct injected. So once you put air, yes, you're right. So you put air into the cylinder, you come up, you compress the cylinder, and at top dead center, you spray in some fuel. I'm assuming it still has spark plugs if you're using gasoline and not diesel. So that detonates. Uh, yeah. When that detonates, about halfway down or whenever, the exhaust valve opens up, and that escapes. And then it closes, and then you start the cycle. So it's a two-stroke it kind of like gasoline.
5: That. Like a uh, like a Prius engine where not all the stroke is utilized for intake, like part of the that's stroke. Uh, is the
2: Atkinson cycle is yeah. what the Prius uses.
5: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's got to be like a, a modified Atkinson cycle because if it, yeah. the piston's coming up, it can't. It's not, it, or when it's going down, it's still not. It's not utilizing the whole stroke for power. It's utilizing. It cannot. Machine. Right? It's scary. You're right. It, it can only use half a stroke
4: for the power stroke, so it can only get half a power stroke before it has to exhaust and let the exhaust escape by do, by bottom dead center. At bottom dead center, all the exhaust has escaped. The exhaust mm-hmm. valve closes as the as the piston, and then for a brief moment, the, actually probably the exhaust has to close halfway down to get all the exhaust out before it can close. Because the intake has to open before it hits that top dead center and put air fuel mixture in there so it can close before it comes up.
2: Well, because the intake is still the cylinder ports, right? It's not another valve at
7: the top. I think it's actually depending on the supercharger. No, no, no. The intake is also a popping valve.
4: Oh, is it? Yeah, it's dual overhead cam. So it has a valve for the intake and a valve for the exhaust.
5: And there's got to be a point where both valves are open. At the same time, in order to, to Well that
4: but, okay, you're probably right about that too. So first, the exhaust valve opens up, and then after the, the most of the compression has gone off of that, then the intake opens up and lets the blower force air fuel mixture through the cylinder before they both close when the piston comes up to make compression. Wow. so but but okay. the thing about it is they're saying that the efficiency of this motor. It's supposed to be fantastic. It's supposed to be able to achieve somewhere uh, between 65 and 75% efficiency, which is highly efficient for an internal combustion engine. For a gas and motor,
1: that's amazing. Yeah.
4: For, a, for a gas motor. And the other part of the patent is that they're, it's not mated to a gearbox. It's going to be uh, two generators or or two magneto. well, I mean, whatever you want to call them, alternators. On either side of the crank that are going to power an electric motor so it's also going to be a hybrid platform so it's going to be this motor running at its optimal rpm just feeding power like a locomotive to so it's a different form of hybrid in that it's not charging a battery it's just providing the electricity to turn an electric motor into a
2: attraction motor
3: yeah that's cool well, the That's same pretty company
5: wild. Is going to make a three-cylinder, six-piston um, gasoline engine for Ford is has been paid to make a single-cylinder hybrid uh, electric power plant with a single-cylinder, two-piston engine. Common cylinder, two pistons, two cranks. Yeah, and so they've been paid by the government to to make that because they were Ford was supposed to come out with that engine this year in their uh, F-150s. Right. But I, I don't hear anything about it now. I mean, I don't know. I doubt if that's coming out. But, and there's been, uh,
1: they've teased that. You're, right. You're absolutely right, Steve. They've teased that. Um, the, the opposed piston. The opposed piston design. That, that's come out several times. And you look and there's been patent applications through Ford Motor Company. There's been patent applications for a lot of different groups. have all talked about that opposed piston central combustion area um, motor design because it is elegant and it is remarkably efficient Uh, but we have yet to see it come out. Like It's just one of those things that it's like it's been this thing that's been circling for so long but nobody has yet to put it into a commercially available mass production engine.
4: You're
3: absolutely absolutely correct about that.
4: I mean, a for a patent, does not mean you actually have a prototype and you're ready to, right. you know, start manufacturing it anytime soon?
5: Well, that, that opposed piston engine is actually a really old design. Right. You have, I mean, there's, I could take you to see one right now in Overland at the power plant. They right. have, but the thing is the size of my house.
3: <laughs> yeah.
5: No, I'm serious. The <laughs> engine is the size of like, like it's. It's a, a two-story tall structure with, uh, you know, like 12, uh, 12 cylinders and, you know, twenty-four pistons. I mean, it's an amazing piece of machinery, but it's it's got two crankshafts. But and you could, I don't know if you could stand inside the cylinders, but it's a massive, massive machine. What well, what was um, it doing? Producing power for the city. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a, it's the engine that drives a generator that produces power for the city, I and mean, it's a natural gas engine. But, but uh, I mean, it's a, it's been that engine's got to be made in the '50s. Huh.
4: Oh, they don't everybody have anything look, small. Everybody, look at your text messages.
1: What? All right. So, if you've gotten your text messages
3: and you've looked oh, at your text got message,
1: oh, I see. Okay. Um, so, so this is our, our, our lovely listener. If you guys remember uh, Matt Davidson, Matt Davidson ran into us when I think Emmy and I were on a cross country trip with a couple of bikes in the back or maybe me and Renee or whatever and ran into him in Iowa. And since then, of course, if you listen to the podcast a lot, you'll know he, he's got, he became a true fucking pervert. He got a CV 750, like he got into all kinds of stuff. He got an SL 70, And the guy really, really got into motorcycles and he did so because he kind of like listens to our podcast. And this is a guy that we met along like Interstate 80 when we went to have a steak on the side of the road on too long of a road trip, bringing bikes back from California. And uh, if you remember at one point, he asked us some very, very wonderfully good, insightful questions and, uh, and was really bothered that we didn't respond to him right away. And so we dragged him along, and we dragged him along, and we dragged him along, and we answered some of his questions and not his other questions. And then we promptly said, okay, and now back to another subject, and we fucked him well, off. Anyway, like I'd like to do. show
4: you this. It's my oldest crescent wrench ever made. <laughs> it's a, uh, Did you, uh,
1: so is that, oh, that is a nice one. That's good. Is, it, now, it, now that's, not technically, not a- that's not technically a pipe wrench, is it? Is that a pipe oh. wrench or a monkey wrench?
4: I'm calling this the oldest crescent wrench known to man.
1: Is the only adjuster is the only adjuster on that the actual little tiny screw that I can see, or is there a bigger? Yeah, is, that's that that's the, right that's there, the right? thumb wheel right there, that's the right? Thumb
4: wheel right there. Oh, it comes up. Oh shit! Well, oh yeah. yeah don't overdrive not, let's that. Let's not do this poor, to that poor guy because uh, you know, oh, we're not gonna oh, fucking oh, oh, over oh,
2: it. Because he
4: definitely deserves some attention after that picture I just saw. Yeah. I, I do. I would tell you, so he did
1: bribe us again. So the podcast listeners aren't going to see how he bribed us again.
2: Or, like, did he become a female or what's going on with the picture? No, that's- no, no, no. That's,
1: so last time he chimed in, he bribed us. He bribed us with a, a picture. Um, but there was a watermark. There was a date stamp on the picture that caused us to look at the picture and go, hey, wait a second. I believe that picture was taken in 1998, which means that the young lady in the picture would be in her fifties right now. So, um, anyway, the, so I, I just sent you guys out the bribe. So you guys have all gotten the bribe. Mm -hmm. So, um, and this does work. Yeah. This is really turned
4: into a zoom meeting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you guys want to hear the corresponding text that goes along with the picture? Yes, sir. Here we go. Hey, shit dicks. I hope this message finds you smack fucking dabble in the middle of the podcast. Couple things for you, gentlemen. First of all, after all the shit you fuckers gave me and couldn't figure out that that phone pictures like that didn't exist in 1998 is beyond me. The watermark was her birthday. She's 22. I hope that hits fucking home for at least one of you. Payback for taking three fucking months to help me out.
2: Wow, this guy has have an attitude.
1: I love it. It's good. All right, so here we go again. Ready? In hopes that my next question will be answered, here is a great picture of a little lady at mine as well as a video of her wrecking my 73 SL70. Aww. That comes later. Okay. Uh, anyway, my question this week is, what is your checklist for new to you vintage Vespas or two strokes? Oh, you, guys have, you guys have done plenty of podcasts about what is needed to be done to resurrect vintage motorcycles, but never old scooters. I've got a 1980 100 Sport, which is a small frame, and a 1982 P200. Both have been sitting for a number of years and on the back burner of my project list. But since you guys have helped me figure out some issues with my priority bikes, I would love to hear your thoughts about these old two strokes. I hope this text finds all of you gentlemen doing well and looking forward to hearing from you guys on the next podcast. Happy fucking Friday, gentlemen. Hold. I ignored that when he sent it and then as of friday he posts honestly i thought i'd figured out the secret code titties and vintage hondas but i was wrong still wish you fuckers would go over my vespa question just like the guy in episode 259 that never had his shit answered regardless (laughs) regardless you've got a bottle of iowa bourbon and a sweet little coffee mug heading your direction happy fucking 300 gentlemen i couldn't ask for a better shit show
4: So if I showed you these, these
1: are jet drills. Those are jet drills.
4: drills. (laughs) You can use these to drill out the jets in your carburetor. Oh, no, we won't.
1: Those are the nemesis of every good mechanic. Um, If you're going to use a jet drill, take the jet, and where it says the number of the jet, grind it off. Just grind it off Mm -hmm. so there's no jet number on it so I won't get confused when I'm working on your bike that doesn't run right and be like, oh, well, this is a 108 jet. It's supposed to be the jet that's in there. And when you drilled it out to a 176 or some stupid jet, <laughs> you know, and there's gas just leaking out the bottom of the piece of shit. That's okay. a good idea. Okay, well, so Anyway,
4: let's talk about vintage Vespas and what you should do. As soon so as you let's, get first,
1: let's first identify what he's got. So his first Vespa he talks about is a Vespa 100. And a Vespa 100 is a small frame Vespa. So the small frame Vespa is, is the, it's, you know, there's two versions when you get back away from today's Vespas. There's the large frames, and those are 125 cc's and bigger that will have anything between 8-inch wheels and 10-inch wheels. and The side panels come off. The side panels are removable. And as, as Nick brings up an excellent point, the small frames, which are between 50 cc's and 125 cc's, The side panels are not removable, even though they may have an access door for the engine and an access door for the glove box side. But that's the way you can tell the difference is the removable panels. Now, all of the small frames will have 10-inch wheels, um, whereas the large frames can have 8-inch wheels or 10-inch wheels. Um, That's just the basic spotter's guide. Now, the Vespa 100, uh, that came into America as a thing called a 100 Sport. It's a little bike. It's not real big. Go ahead, John.
4: Are we both in agreement that this motor
2: needs to come apart? Yeah. (laughs) Everybody. Yeah. Right. Everything that's rubber in the motor needs to be replaced. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. There is no such thing as a Vespa that was stored correctly 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Um, 10 years is the magic number. If it's 10 years since the motor has been rebuilt or if it's never been rebuilt, it needs new rubber everything. Because even if it runs great. Are we all in agreement that
4: Are we all in agreement that this motor needs a a, a 135 kit?
1: Oh, absolutely.
4: Yeah. yeah. So
1: keeping a small frame motor that's under 125 cc's The 125cc small frame motors, the the Vespas that were sold through Allstate as a VMA1 or as a Primavera with a 125cc motor, they're pretty fun. They'll go over 50 miles an hour just the way they are. You don't need to fuck with them. They're great. But a 50 or a 90 or a 100, they all benefit a lot from if you're going to go in there anyway, if you're going to pull the motor out of the bike, you're going to split the cases, you're going to replace the seals as you're going to have to do. While you're there, it's a great opportunity to learn about two-stroke motors and put a new top end on, and that would be from any of the usual dirt bags, whether it's Melosi or Polini or Panasco or whatever, or DR if you're poor. You can put those kits on, and that will increase the amount of power your bike puts out dramatically. But you need to match the carburation going in and the exhaust coming out to that larger volume of cylinder that you now have, you're now off you need, of the service manual.
4: You need a hammer zombie uh, uh, exhaust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and there are tons. And that's the thing because these products have been available since 1947. There are fucking tons of aftermarket go fast parts for these things. So you can go with Zeri kits that are insane and make like, gp road racer level rpms
4: you'll be surprised surprised at how much like what it does to that little bike when you put that that top end kit on it Mm -hmm. because it turns it from like barely getting out of its own way to holy shit it's pulling wheelies in first and maybe second gear like holy it's it's amazing
1: And now there are very cheap, very reasonable, bolt-on electronic ignition kits, which give you the benefit of an advance and retard uh, timing package that have little dip switches and little pins on them so you can say like, okay, I want my bike to be this way. Even if you don't have a smartphone or a laptop, you can put these things on and they mount up just like the original ignition did, but now it's literally an electronic ignition taking away your points and condenser problems that were associated with these older bikes. You just
4: take that original, that original stator paint and you set it on the shelf and you buy yep. a new ignition, new plate, new everything, probably a new flywheel too with a top-end kit, all new
1: seals, and you're going to have a screamer. And if you're going to get into building motors, getting into building two-stroke motors is the best place to start. And they're very simple, they're very intuitive, and they benefit a whole lot from you learning some basic engine technology like matching your ports and cleaning things up with a Dremel tool or even a piece of sandpaper or emery board. You can get in there and clean things up and make things better and optimize the performance of something without having to fuck around with timing chains and valves and stuff like that. Always learn how to work on motors with a two-stroke and because the turnaround time is very short it's very easy to do it and it teaches you some fundamentals that you'll use later when you get into four-stroke motors
4: and that motor i don't think does that actually have to come out of the frame to work on it can you hinge it
1: so yes you can, can. You jackknife it, so, like take
4: the shock off and
1: right so with a small frame motor it's much much easier to take it out of the bike and it's going to give you a lot of confidence because every service manual for these bikes whether it's a haynes manual or any of the other stuff that's out there For the small frame motors, taking the motor out of the bike is paramount because there's nobody who has hands small enough to go in through the top of the chassis to do the stuff you need to do on that motor. Now, in the other bike, his P200, we'll talk about differences in that. His small frame, this this 100cc, this Vespa 100, getting the motor out is a snap, it's no big deal. Rebuilding the carburetor is a snap. It's no big deal. Building it back as a 100, um, you may look at the price of buying the components to make it back as a 100 versus making it back as a 135, okay? Um, It may be in your best interest to build it back as a hopped-up motor. Uh, Just for like an extra 200 bucks, you might pick up 50% or 70% more power. So that might be worth it. Um, The biggest challenge on these is going to be getting your cables routed correctly, getting your transmission hooked up correctly, because on these motors, all that stuff is underneath on the small frames. It's very fiddly. So getting that shit right, you're going to have to buy some special tools like a third-hand tool or a fourth-hand tool to pull those cables correctly and get that transmission set up correctly. All that stuff's going to come in real handy because everything on a small frame is Mm -hmm. very tight.
4: You're okay with sticking with the stock crank, right?
1: Yeah. For a lot of the stuff on the small frame, the stock crank is totally fine on his 100, uh, but you might still benefit from getting a crank-piston combo if you do want to get the most performance or the most power you can out of the thing. Um, The only thing, if
4: you you change the crank, make sure there's a sleeve that goes on the crank for the one side so that it mates with the bearing properly. Make sure... You take that sleeve off of your old crank and put it on the new crank. Yep.
1: And that's a big part of it, too, is when you're, wa- when you're looking at these motors and the way they're put together, um, stuff that's universal or stuff that's designed to fit you know, oh, this fits the 100, it also fits the one, uh, the 125, or it also fits the 90. Be real careful of that stuff. You want to make sure that you're following the instructions carefully, because sometimes the difference between the application in one motor versus another is literally just a sleeve that goes over um, the bearing surface on the crank. So you want to be aware of that. So just, you know, that's something to be super careful of. Um, with the small frame stuff, the little tiny motors, carburation is a very big deal. So if your bike comes from the factory with a 14-millimeter carb as stock, that's really tiny. It's really small. If you want to get any power at all, you're going to be going to a larger carburetor and a larger exhaust. Those are the two restrictive elements in that small two-stroke.
4: Didn't Melosi sell a kit where it was a top-end kit mm-hmm. that
1: also included a carburetor and an intake? Yep. Absolutely. And because the original factory intake on all those bikes is super, super tiny. And the flange that they use to mount the carburetor onto that intake is a very strange uh, fitting. It's not like a traditional carburetor where you have a manifold where the carburetor bolts onto the manifold. This thing actually slips on via a very rudimentary slip joint. So it's really not the best thing because the carburetor gases have to go through a squiggly pipe to get into the motor.
4: Yeah, it's a clamp-on style carburetor.
1: Yeah, so what I would... And so now the small frame stuff, that's remarkably simple and, and great. Small frames are fun, but they're not fun for a guy who's, you know, six foot one and 200 pounds. The large frame that he's got...
4: I, have, I enjoyed them quite a bit. I thought it was hilarious. I've got I couldn't believe the first, the first one that
1: I built and it was like, holy shit, what have I done? <laughs> it's like a thermonuclear skateboard. It's just... It, it's impossibly small and impossibly tiny for as much power as it can put out. I've got a small frame Vespa that's a 135, and it's in the neighborhood of you know 18 to 19 horsepower. And the problem is right now it's like my gearing is all still factory stock gearing, and so I go through all four gears before I'm going like 35, right? And then it's just over rev. So it's like I have to change my gearing to match the motor I've got in the bike right now because it's useless. You know, it's fantastic, it's impressive, but it's useless to go on the street. like Going down a road at 50 miles an hour, the bike is screaming, but it got there in epic speed, so good, good on you. Talking about his good.
4: 1980- on a smallie, can-, can you change the gearing by changing your clutch, the gears on your clutch pack?
1: Yes, but not as effectively as you can on a large frame. Okay. So there are different clutch packs for the small frames, but I'm I'm going to say that he's already on the 100, which is the the larger one. So he's fine. Oh, uh,
4: and that was the that was the trick with the small frames is to uh, tack weld that little fucking circlip, and so the clutch doesn't explode.
1: Yeah, and that and that does, and that's another thing that that's an advanced gamer thing for sure. The uh, large frame he's got is a 1982 P200. History lesson, by 1982, Vespa had already decided they were leaving the American market. The American market, they just didn't know yet, okay? Uh, The bikes couldn't meet EPA standards of the day. Um, After 1980, most of the P200s came with a ridiculous little 20-millimeter carburetor that wasn't nearly enough carburetor. The bike, in the European version of the bike, it had a 24-millimeter carburetor, But to meet EPA standards of the day, they chucked that 24 out and put a 20 millimeter carburetor off of a 125 onto a 200. And if you think that bitch ran lean, you are underdefining the situation. They were self-destructive. These bikes bone stock out of the crate with a 20 millimeter carb on a 200cc motor were literally seizing the day you bought it. Um, When it was brand new and running down the road, if you ran these bikes at full throttle, you were going to seize it. It was just a, a foregone conclusion. Now, the good news is people figured that shit out really quickly. The bad news is Vespa wasn't doing well in the United States enough to give people warranty claims and buy them new cylinders and put new carburetors on those bikes and change the stator plates and put them back to the European standard. So those American bikes after 1980 with the 20 millimeter carburetor and a ridiculous bakelite riser plate under the carburetor um, and a fucked up stator that wasn't adjustable. Those bikes, those EPA bikes are fucking nightmares. So if you lay your hands on one of those, you have got to change it all back to European spec or you're going to seize the top end. And that's going to mean a shit stain in your underwear a bald back tire and a thousand dollars worth of body damage and three or four days in the hospital. If you're lucky because seizing a Vespa at 50 to 60 miles per hour is no fucking joke. Ask me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, we've all done it. I mean, I've done it myself. I've seized five or six of these things due to adventurous tuning, but you shouldn't have a bike that's going to seize on you with the factory setup. And in these later model Vespa P200s with that dreaded carburetor, you take the air filter off, you take the top of the air box off, you take the air filter off and you look down at the top of the carburetor. There'll be some numbers and it should say SI24 forward slash 24. That means the intake size at the top is 24 millimeters and the venturi uh, at the bottom of the carburetor is also 24 millimeters. If you see it says 2020, 20 forward slash 20, get that fucking thing out of your bike. That's the carburetor off of a 125, and it was never meant to go on a 200.
2: So, Anything these days that says 2020, you can just throw in the trash.
1: It's true. Yeah, and so the 2020 that came as factory <laughs> well, standards... Oh you can counts. throw it
4: in the flaming dumpster.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the 2020, even on a Stella, you can... You, know, you can get some more out of a Stella 150 with a 24-millimeter carburetor or a 2424 g which is the carburetor off of a T5, which has a really aggressive um, Venturi. There are 24-millimeter carburetors that companies like uh, Al Harpam at Hot Rod Scooters, Al has hogged them out to 26 millimeters to give you a factory downdraft Deloro carburetor, but it's 26 millimeters, and it has a nice Venturi built into it. So you can get more performance without making the commitment of switching over to a Maikuni-style 30-millimeter remote carburetor that has fuel flow problems because the carburetor is kind of sitting above the bottom of the gas tank. So at that point, you have to invest in a fuel pump. But going back to our listener's question, his 1982 Vespa that he's got, if you're buying these bikes, just immediately – Everyone here agrees, the seals are shit. Um, Unless the guy can hand you receipts from like two years ago or newer, you have to assume that the seals in the motor are garbage. We're talking
4: about the crank seals the the crank side seal and the clutch side seal.
1: So, the the three main seals that are culprits are the flywheel side seal, and that's the seal that, that goes on the crank where the crank passes through the case wall out to the ambient. Uh, environmental air, and if that seal, which of course has a crank running through it that runs between you know 1,200 rpm and 8,000 rpm, that crank is that crank seal is the only thing between the world and the bottom end of your motor, which because it's a two-stroke has a certain considerable amount of vacuum there, and that considerable amount of vacuum will suck air in through that seal and that will fuck your mix all up. So if your bike will only run with the choke pulled, which on these bikes is actually an enrichment circuit, if your bike will only run with the choke pulled, you got an air leak. Now it could be at the base of your cylinder, it could be at the top of your cylinder, but it's probably at your flywheel side seal. If your bike is smoking like a motherfucker and all the mosquitoes are dying behind you, that's probably a main seal, right? Um, that's where the oil that lubricates your transmission is now getting into the bottom end of your motor, and instead of your motor running at two percent, it's running at seven or nine or fourteen percent. And very that
4: seal doesn't, doesn't open to the atmosphere; yep. it opens to the clutch side of the motor.
1: Exactly, and so these three seals are all you've got to balance out your motor to keep the mix correct. And if your mix is wrong and your, your motor's hard to dial in or it won't idle or anything else, you're going to drive yourself fucking crazy with air fuel mixture screws and jetting and everything else. Meanwhile, the problem is it's a fucking seal. When a motor, a Vespa motor... R- a vintage, R- R- go ahead. I said
4: art, art,
1: seal. Yeah, well, uh, uh, look, a Vespa motor, a vintage Vespa motor... If you just rebuilt it and you just put new seals in it and everything's great and you did everything perfectly and you put it together by the book, half the time the motherfucker still has some little tiny microscopic problem or a case mating thing that's going to drive you up the fucking wall on a jetting side of things. So imagine how screwed you are if you didn't just rebuild the motor and the motor is either factory built in 1982 or, you know, Billy Joe Jimbop put seals in it in the early 90s. Just buy the rebuild kit, buy the gaskets kit and the SEALS kit, pull the motor out, read the manual, read the Haynes manual or the Chilton's guide or whatever, and build the motor correctly. And then you can understand how jetting works. And then you can understand the right way to put the motor together and how to tune it. Um, it is to be assumed... Can we
4: tell them how to the, test the fly stock Well,
1: so on the P200 motor, Should we have got. So the P200 motor you've got, there's an first you
4: want to. <laughs> first you want to spray it full of starting fluid, maybe kick it over a couple times. After you have the flywheel open, uh, off, you want to hold a lighter right up to that sill and then <laughs> kick it really hard with your face in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the right, It'll if, blow if a it fireball a, around your ears. <laughs>
1: if it shoots a fireball out about that far, you know your flywheel, flywheel seal is shot. Um, uh, I, I just, gotcha. I just usually, I just usually assume they're bad. Fix you, order the only thing that can pull a flywheel off of Vespa is a flywheel puller. That's it. Or, there is no device on the planet. There is no three jaw clamp or four jaw clamp or sixteen jaw clamp that will pull a flywheel off of Vespa, except for a Bazetti or whatever brand, actual real flywheel puller. Or if the you hold of- it and
2: smack it against the pavement, it'll come up. <laughs>
1: that
2: close it.
3: Did that happen? No. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: have seen people jam screwdrivers back there and smack them with the hammers and everything else. No, none of that shit works. You spend the 20 bucks and you buy a proper flywheel puller and that will pull the flywheel off. And then you buy a new Woodruff key and you do all the things that it tells you to do in the manual. But like, On the P200, you can dig out the flywheel side seal with a hook or something or a screwdriver and hit it through with a hammer and dig the flywheel seal out, remove it that way, clean it up super careful, and then put a new flywheel seal on it, grease the living piss out of it. And if you're lucky and you sacrifice a chicken and you've been good to your children and you haven't cheated on your spouse, one time in a million you can find the right size socket, stick it on that thing, and And tap it in gently, and the new flywheel seal will go in without ever opening the cases. And that's like doing a root canal through the rectum. It's like it shouldn't ever possibly work, but occasionally it does. And if you're really, really good, you can change a fly side seal without splitting the cases. And that'll get you back on the road. I've done it on the side of the road. In my Vespa toolkit, I have extra fly side seals in there because, yeah, that's... That happens.
4: One of the things that usually fucks those seals up is somebody will park the bike with a fuel tap on. And over time, yeah. they will tend to wet sump. Like, I know my bike, if I left the fuel tap on, over time it would leak fuel through the carburetor into the bottom end of the motor and fill it Guaranteed. up. So now, not only is it sitting there, now it's sitting there fuel of gasoline on those seals, and over time it just degrades them. And then, you, you know, and then as soon as you start it up, they're all soft because they've been soaked in gasoline and they either, uh, you know, stretch out and don't make a good seal around the shaft anymore or just completely disintegrate and go south. Yep. So
1: what John was talking about earlier, go go John, go ahead. Go. Okay. What John was talking about earlier is this technique that we use in the shop where we actually can leave the motor in the bike but we can split the engine. So we can take the engine apart, literally the way Vespa designed it, we can remove half of the engine while the motor is still hanging in the bike. And not to get into crazy things, you can find out how to do it, you can research this, and it will save you a fuck ton of time. But it involves some techniques, some, some machining or engine building techniques, like running a nut against another nut and using those two nuts jammed against each other, to back out the engine studs. So if you back out the engine studs, you remove the cylinder, back out the engine studs, the motor can remain, the important half of the motor, the swing arm and everything else can remain in situ while you take the entire outboard side of the motor off. And I've done this on the side of the road. It is possible to rebuild a Vespa motor on the side of the roadway with the stock Vespa factory toolkit. We've done it. And yeah, you take the engine half off and you can get to everything you need to get to. You can pull the crank out of the bike while the, the main part of the motor is still hanging there in the frame. It's really a good idea to remove the bolt that holds the shock absorber to the bike so the engine can swing down, giving you a lot more access. And you're going to put the bike up on like a 2x4, the center stand on a 2x4, so the motor can drop down a little bit further. That is one of the sweet design things about a Vespa motor is it was actually intelligently designed so that you could rebuild the motor with the motor still hanging in the bike and not have to lay the bike on its side or or pull the motor out of the bike and disconnect all the cables. Because remember the transmission in a Vespa doesn't run separate or outside of the bike. The transmission is in the motor and it's all operated via cables in a little selector box. And you can actually remove that selector box, if you're careful, with the cables all still perfectly hooked up. And you can do the whole thing. You can take the clutch cover off and never take the fucking clutch cable off. That's brilliant design. So you can just remove three bolts, take the clutch cover off, and that's the clutch actuator. The push pin and everything is all right in there. Now, you'll only forget to put that motherfucker back in one time. And then you'll see this little thing floating around your garage and be like, oh, shit, that's the brass push-out for my clutch. There yeah, are yeah, people, yeah, yeah. there are things you might have to learn when you do this, but it's all well-documented because people have been doing this since 1947. And it does make... I also highly recommend using some heat, heat in
4: this process. Like when you go to get the crank out, if you can heat that... Uh- Heat it up so it comes out without having to. Because there's actually tools that are meant to bolt onto the case and extract the crank and stuff. But you can generally tap it out with like a mallet. But you want to? I would heat things up, like the bearing races and stuff, so that it it'll it'll release without fucking anything up.
1: For for people who've never owned a vintage two stroke Vespa. Now, I've had vintage Lambrettas, I've had uh, Velocet Viceroy's, I've had many, many vintage bikes from the 40s and 50s, and they're all cool and stuff, but kind of the smartest design, the one that is gonna teach you about things. We said, if you're gonna learn how to work on a motorcycle, it's always best to start with a Honda CB350, because there are elements of the Honda CB350 that reproduce themselves and are visible in modern bikes from the 2000s. So if you can work on a CD350, you can work on a modern motorcycle for the most part. When it comes to two strokes, I'm going to say that the Vespa, the, the, the lowly Vespa scooter has got brilliant training shit in there. Like everything in a Vespa is so well thought out that it gives you tips and tricks that you could then work on a Yamaha RD, you know, 350, and you're going to be familiar with these things and these concepts. So yeah, yeah. A vintage Vespa two-stroke, um, or even a Stella, or something like that, or a, a 2005 PX 150. These are all the same basic platform from 1947 up until 2005 or or later. The two-strokes that are in those bikes are remarkably rewarding to work on. Crazy easy to tune, and will get you into this whole like two-stroke ring a ding ding addiction. I mean, Steve, for fuck's sake, like your Stella. The difference between a stock Stella and a ring-a-ding-ding two-stroke wheelie popper, it's pretty fucking euphoric. Oh, it's not. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a cool jam. I mean, I, I really love it. And as, as older, jaded or whatever you want to get with a 200-horsepower motorcycle or a 200-mile-an-hour bike, getting on an 11-horsepower two-stroke and wheeling it across the parking lot is fucking hilarious and fun, you know? So, I mean, there you go. So, Matt Davidson, we covered your shit tonight. <laughs> thank and, you very much for the photo. And thank you for bribing us with a picture. Like we said, that is a secret technique, is by being a Patreon member, you get the phone number, and you can bribe us, and we'll we'll put your song on first. You know, payola's not dead. <laughs> um the real thing.
4: And, and whatever plus one you want to bring to whatever next minute, Ohio
1: happens are more than welcome. That's right. <laughs> By all means, Matt, show up at our camp. We will take care of you. Yeah, or, you know, if you can make it from uh, Iowa I, to, I, from in Ohio. fact, we have bikes for
4: your girlfriends to wreck.
1: Uh. Or, yeah, that's true. That, that's absolutely true. The uh, I sent Sleepy over the video of uh, that SL70 getting crashed. Okay. and that's, a, that's one of those things that... Um, I'll go ahead and play it again for this camera. Nice there we go. Yeah, that's an SL-70. Look how oh, beautiful that is. Oh, no. Keep going. You got this. No problem. You got it. First gear, no problem. Okay, now make a nice big left turn. Make a nice wide left turn. Oh, no, there's the curb. There's the curb. Oh, and oh, you're in the grass, and you're down. That's it. So... Um, if, anybody's, worse. if anybody's ever taught anybody how to ride a motorcycle before getting going and gr- that's great but the first time they make a u-turn they see the curb and then that's all they fucking see and they just yeah. they just screw themselves right into the curb like they target fixate on that fucking curb like nobody's business and Uh, Japanese zero kamikaze pilots didn't have such good target fixation in World War II as every person I've ever taught how to ride a bike in a Uh, (laughs) cul-de-sac. It's just like, I tell people, you look at the curb, you hit the curb. You look at the tree, you hit the tree. You look at the car, you hit the car. So don't fucking look at them.
6: Target fixation. That's what
1: happened right there.
6: Don't you
4: fucking look at me.
1: (laughs) Target fixation can be used for good, not evil, if you're careful. Yeah, that's it. Uh, anybody else got anything delightful for the 300th fucking podcast?
0: No, Boy. you should learn something about scooters someday, though. Fuck, man. What's that? <laughs> I said, you should probably learn something about scooters someday.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was, you know, the funny thing was, it wasn't a gateway drug for me. I was building cars. So like when I grew up in high school, I was building straight eights. So I was building pre-war cars. So my whole world prior to, you know, that was I learned when I was a teenager, a little kid, 14 years old, I learned on straight eights. I learned on, you know, uh, square sixes, Chrysler motors, Dodge motors. And I learned on Dynaflow transmissions. And I learned on pre-war shit so that when I was a teenager and I was working on my own shit, I wanted a small block three hundred and fifty. I wanted the glory of a well thought out, well reasoned General Motors product, where I could buy anything for it for ninety five dollars. And <laughs> <Yeah, it's> three hundred and fifty. <laughs> yeah. So to me, when I joined the military, when I went away, I had this this working index of like, oh, it's it's a small block. It's it's a Chevy small block. There's something wrong with it. Get that one out. We'll put another one in in the next hour and a half. And then we'll figure out what's wrong with that one while it's out and it's hanging on the, on the picker. Right. And so that was the whole thing. So when I got into motorcycle engines, I was in love like because they were small and clean and you know, there's nothing worse than a a engine that's been in a general motors product in Ohio since 1975. That's the filthiest thing on the planet. Yeah. Like, there's nothing worse than that.
5: I just got my, I just my 72 dump truck was sitting in my yard for a year with my 350. I, I got love it running that yesterday.
3: thing.
5: Yesterday, huh? Yes. I, well, I, don't know what he said because I said I love that thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was driving around yesterday. The tr- I, I've determined that the trick with podcasts using the Zoom format is the first three words out of your mouth simply call the attention to you. So that's the preparatory command. And then you have to keep going because now you've earned the attention of the microphone. So now you've earned it. Now you've got to follow through with it and then make your whole statement and then back away carefully.
4: Grumpy sewer guy. I love that thing. <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, well, I'll park it in your driveway tomorrow. <laughs> no.
0: Is that the yellow green crazy looking one? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. All right. I I'm about to fall asleep. That's it, man. We gotta wrap it
5: up. <laughs> Whoa.
0: Well I know wow. it's terrible.
4: That's a great 300th yeah. podcast.
1: Oh yeah. There's a lot of info. We, in thought be, we thought there'd be guns and fireworks and liquor and all that stuff and fire. And and what we got is this bullshit.
3: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That
4: was a lot. I mean, of. I can go get some 22 shorts and fire them into the workbench if you want
1: me to.
3: <laughs> what is
1: that? <laughs> no, man. That's like trying to masturbate to a serious catalog. It's just not worth it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And on that note, bye. bye.
1: Ride fast and take chances, everybody ba da
7: da da da